You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season two of The Gifted. So, yeah, it's episode 101. I am so excited to have rounded that corner, to have moved on to another group of 100 episodes that we're going to do. And I really like that we're going to talk about The Gifted as the first episode in that run, because that is still a show that I think was so great that I really wish it had the marketing oomph behind it to really put it out there, because I think the issue is that not enough people ever saw it to know that they would have liked it. I'd actually be kind of curious to see what the streaming numbers are on the show now that it's over, and there are probably people who have binged it after it was already off the air and, and, you know, it wasn't getting renewed and all that kind of stuff. Because if you look at it, it never had the kind of numbers, even for the first episode, that it should have had. And that's, I think, why we never got a third season. But also because I do have the interview with Skylar Samuels coming up soon, I wanted to put this one out here because we haven't talked about the second season of The Gifted yet. It was one of those ones that I was kind of holding back just because, well, the show wasn't coming back, so the importance as far as, like, getting it out there wasn't there, and at the same time, I feel like when I do these sort of final episodes, it's kind of like, well, then that's really when the show is done, and The Gifted was a show I really wasn't ready to be done yet, so it is what it is. But I am glad to be sharing this with you guys now. In other news, just personal stuff, uh, everything's still going fine for the family. We're just kind of chugging through work and whatnot and just trying to make it through to 2021 and hopefully some vaccines coming out fairly early on in 2021, but we'll see how fast they can ramp the numbers up on that. But we're watching Doom Patrol. We're still finishing up Quantum Leap. Beth still has a few more episodes of season five she hasn't seen. Then we're probably going to move on to Warehouse 13 because that's a series that Angie recommended for me. And so far, she's had a pretty high success rate with the series that she's recommended for me. I've really loved the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I've really loved Orphan Black and Fringe and all of those. So I'll see if we like Warehouse 13. And today, as I recorded this, we actually watched another Godzilla movie. So those have been fun as well. So yeah, we're, we're trying to keep things narrowly focused now on what we watch. But we're looking forward to Wonder Woman 84 coming out by the time this one is out there. You guys will have seen Wonder Woman 84, I think. And so you'll know how that is. But looking forward to that and looking forward to when Mulan is no longer behind a paywall. And we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so I mean, that's what's been going on for us. 
Now, just going to say a quick disclaimer, when this one was recorded is when I was still using Skype and I was still using the recorder that has some uh, sort of sound glitch kind of stuff that goes on. So I'm sorry it clips some words at, at odd places. So sometimes you get like a word cut off. Usually the context is there, so it's not a big deal, but I just want to warn you guys for that. I mean, we're getting through the last ones in the backlog that had those weird sound issues, but unfortunately this is one of the ones that was touched by that. So just putting a little warning out there. But anyway, without any further ado, here is the episode already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. So first up, it's a voice that you haven't heard in a while. Um, he is uh, the gamer in our group. He is, uh, I shouldn't say that because I got two. <clears throat> he is <laughs> one of the gamers in our group. He is um, a podcaster and he always has a drink in his hand and he has a brand new headset and that is james Rowe. how are you doing james <laughs> i'm doing pretty good yeah <laughs> what are you drinking today james oh well i am uh it, you know it was a big debate before i got onto the podcast the, tonight because i was like i'm looking at the giant shelf of booze i have and i was like what what is podcast worthy tonight i don't know um so tonight i've picked uh it's a it's a scotch that i picked up uh, probably a few months ago that was actually really inexpensive. It was only like 18 bucks for the bottle. Um, and it's called shale day. Um, it's just a blended whiskey. I don't know. I like it. Okay, cool. I'd like to say I could describe it, but mm, no, I can't figure it out yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause yeah, <laughs> I'm used to you having like your two or three minute long descriptions of the taste of the whiskey. I know. So, I, know. Yeah. I mean, like it, the, I mean, the description on the back says, uh, let's see here. It takes its name from Old Norse, which means the lock of herring, which I'm really glad it doesn't taste like herring. That would be a terrible <laughs> scotch experience. Because <laughs> yes. uh, it's got the sharp fragrance of pine-studded islands, which, I mean, I know what pine smells like. I don't know what islands smell like, so I have no <laughs> reference point for that whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and herring and shawls of mist around the shoulders of the nearby Toradon Hills. Yeah, it doesn't really talk about the flavor. It just says it's well-balanced. That's about it. So I, that's probably part of the reason I can't figure out what it's supposed to taste like. Okay. Well, I'm glad you found something that pairs well with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what's been going on for you, James? Oh man, nothing much. Uh, yeah, just living life, living the dream. Not my dream, somebody else's, I'm sure. But, <laughs> uh, no, and, uh, finally things are together. Like they're like I've I've got I'm established in the branch uh, that I'm working at, and like mm. I'm not going anywhere for a while, so I haven't had any of the the mess that's been like promotion or not promotion or I don't know whatever figuring out how to grow up. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been good. I've been just uh, gaming it up. Uh, I've been playing a couple of newer games that have come out that I've been mm, slightly satisfied and mm, satisfied with. Uh, I, I, they're not really over the top. So one of, one of them's Anthem, which has been fraught with a lot of problems. <laughs> and, and it's still fun. And then The Division 2, which... It plays just like the first one, mm -hmm. so it's not really any different, uh, but it is a lot of fun, so, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, it's good to have you back on the podcast, James. Good to be back. Next up, 
Uh, you know him as the guy from the Satellite of Love. Uh, he has the name that sounds like a dinosaur. He does not have a new headset, and that is my buddy Mike Trex. How are you doing, Mike? Yeah, I'm good. And it depends on how new new we're talking. <laughs> yeah, nine years is uh, is is new for you. Well, that's just a microphone. The headset is oh. seven months. Ugh. Okay. No, probably okay. a year. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Razor. <laughs> so, um, how are uh, Crow, um, Servo, and the bots? They're good. They're having a smoke break. I tired them out. I had, I was venting to them, and they're they're uh, they're shocked a little bit. They're shook. Yeah. So, for people who don't know, even though his online name is Mike Trex, he is also Mike Nelson. Yeah. That's right, the MST3K guy. <laughs> but not really. But you know, not really. <laughs> no, because you're. Um, you're you're from uh, the Hunger Games and um, Westworld. <laughs> and don't forget my stint as a CIA agent on Casino Royale. That's right. So I'm across so, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike, how does it feel to have a name that's a geeky name and to have a face that's a geeky face? Man, I can't. I, I wish I was more popular. <laughs> yeah, because he's also the spitting image of Jeffrey Wright. For all those who haven't heard me talk about this on other podcasts, I just don't get it. Growing up, no resemblance. Thirty year, thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Hey, you like the guy from Hunger Games? No, I don't. Look at it. <gasps> it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was watching it and I was like, wait. wait. Everybody, because I didn't care about the Hunger Games because I don't read books like an adult and. Uh-huh. I never, I never heard of it. I didn't know what was going on. And the first one like blew up. Like, okay, that's cool. She's a girl on fire. Love her. Here comes the second movie, and every one of my Hunger Games friends just came up to me on Facebook and person's like, "You're in Hunger Games. When did you go film it?" I'm like, "What? what? Nah, you're kidding me." And I went to go see it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's me." Yes. <laughs> And so now every time I see Jeffrey Wright do things, especially in Westworld, uh, there would be like some some random shot. Like I remember from season two, he was on the beach and he it was like from the first episode. And I took the picture of Cheryl Facebook, little behind the scenes knowledge. The beach was quite cold. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, that's okay. When I uh, when the Matrix came out, my friends used to freak out because I uh, I have some passing resemblance in my mind. They say I look exactly like the the one of the agents who isn't Agent Smith. You know how he always had two agents flanking him, and yeah. I have a resemblance to one of those guys. And they would like free like they would put sunglasses on me and be like, ah, you know, like and freak out. So yeah, I I kind of know that like, when people like do that, but anyway. Good. Thank, thank goodness. All right. Um, so uh, what's been going on for you, Mike? Uh, just a lot of work and uh, in the IT field, it's all great. And then. Yeah, but you've already said on the show before, on the record, that your work is basically playing Warcraft. Well, I don't play Warcraft anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I moved on to other things like my normal DCO, Anthem, and of course, Division 2. Can we switch focus real fast? This is going to be the Division 2 podcast now. Oh. <laughs> Oh uh, no! Keep it focused, Mike. Keep it focused. But no, it's it's just been a lot of uh, a lot of work, a lot of good shifting in the company, mm. and it's it's been tiresome to say the least. Uh, and then, of course, I've been spending my time for the past oh week or two on Division Two myself. Okay. 
Oh, that sounds like fun. Just like James. It's the first one, but better. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to have you back on, Mike. It's good to be back. And finally, finally, we have our very own queen of cosplay. She is the Greek statue made life, and that is Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. No problem. And how uh, how are things going for you since the last time you were on? Well, this is my second podcast this week, so in the last six days or so, (laughs) I haven't been up to too much. Um, Just working, the weather's been really great, so it's uh, it's been fun to just be outside. And, um, you know, I somehow missed the fact that they released a Katamari Damacy game for the Switch, so now I have to own one. I just discovered this, like, 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I remember video games. <laughs> now I gotta figure out how to get a Switch and how quick I can get one to my house. Mm. Oh, see, when you said that there was a game for the Switch, I assumed you already had one. Nope, sure don't. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. You know, Amazon's thing's so great in life because you don't have to actually go out and go to stores and compare prices and buy stuff. You can just sit in your chair at home and just be like, I want to switch. Click. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it's probably going to happen. Maybe right. you hear some random <laughs> clicking in the background. <laughs> <sighs> well, it's great having you back on, Angie. I'm glad to be back. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So next up is our five-minute controversy section. And for those who are just joining us with this podcast, that is just a way for us to loosen up by talking about a topic that isn't what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast and just gives you a little window into how we think about something geeky in nature. And um, this week, I'm going for one that's a little bit lighter than a lot of the ones that I've gone for, but it is something that people are talking about right now. Um, Hopefully that means we can keep it actually within five minutes. And that is the length of Avengers Endgame, which is reportedly over three hours. So my question, it's a two-part question. Do you think that that is too long? You know, should they edit it down further? Is, Is three hours just too much? Or, and B, if you feel like it isn't too long, you feel like there should be an intermission, or do you think that they should just, you know, let it play all the way through? Um, so, um, Angie, let's start with you. Um, if the intermission can just be all of the uh, recordings of Captain America's PSAs, I'm all for that. <laughs> but then people won't want to leave. <laughs> Well, here's the problem. A three-hour movie, whatever. I, I'm, I'm down. I'll watch a three-hour movie. Oh, without, okay. I, I don't. I'm not one of those people that gets antsy. I can, I can sit through a four-hour movie probably and have no issues. Yeah. See, the thing is, I don't get concessions, which I think is typically the problem with the with three-hour movies or longer. Is that uh, people need to go to the bathroom. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. I guess don't I, buy the giant soda before you go in. You'll right. be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, what do you think? I'm down. I'm doing it. I'm damn. I'm I'm there. <laughs> okay. I will pee. In, but would you rather pee in the bucket? Oh, <laughs> okay. It's there for a reason. No. I worked in a movie theater. So, I know the secrets. 
so no intermission or anything. You you just want them to just run it. If through. they do the intermission, that would be awfully nice. But there's no. I like I said, I worked in a movie theater. There is no realistic number of an intermission that's going to work. None. You can make it ten <laughs> minutes, and it's still going to be ten minutes of people still needing to use the restroom because there's only a finite worth of urinals or stalls, and it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> so uh, I'm going with no air mission. Just let it run through. People just need to prepare themselves, and don't bring your kids. <laughs> What was I watching? Oh, oh, it was just, yeah, it was Captain Marvel. Somebody had like a screaming infant in Captain Marvel. And it was like, How dare you? Yeah, why, why bring a child that has no capability of watching this movie? <laughs> you know, it's not like you've got like your little kids who are like four or five and it's like, oh, they love the Marvel movies. It's like, it is an infant. <sighs> anyway, all right. Um, James. What do you think? Um, uh, 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 I don't know. Um, that's my response. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's too long because I'm the guy who's like, I loved Schindler's List, um, which is a stupid long movie. I mean, that three hour runtime movie itself. Mm. Um, I think, I think if the material is there to support it and it's not just like, a bunch of like filling stuff that really isn't helping the story along or anything like that which i mean so far from the marvel franchise we haven't seen them just like drown a movie really with that kind of content like there's always uh motivation behind the characters there's always you know something leading up to the next event or whatever the case so there's always the big build-up uh it's just interesting especially when we see that the first half <laughs> of of these two movies wasn't even nearly that long it was what only like a two-hour runtime. so it's like Man, with an extra hour, what what are they gonna chalk in there? I don't know. Um, no, Infinity War was still pretty long. I think it was like two hours and forty five minutes or something. That's like. correct. It was, okay, well yeah. uh, then I just didn't pay attention, which means it had no impact on me. So let it go. Three hours, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I'm with Mike too. Like like I, and that's so much the problem I have in the theater is like I want and like. At the same time, it should be like, don't bring your kids. And uh, I have a very strict rule with my wife, which is like, don't ask me questions uh, at all during right. these movies, um, which it's generally she gets up to go to the bathroom and then she like comes sprinting back because I'm dead set that my wife has a world record on getting to the bathroom and coming back to the theater. Uh, over anybody like <laughs> i can just see her now like pushing people out of the way like in the bathroom like it's mine oh my gosh like if she's into the movie it's like she like blinked her way there like she was just there and then she was back and i was just like where did you leave i don't understand but she's always got a question she'd be like anymore though she's gotten good where she's just like did i miss anything important and i go no um, whether she did or didn't, because uh, <laughs> I don't want more questions. <laughs> the other thing I want to add is people do not take out your phones during the movie. It's bright. It's distracting. It's yeah, annoying. Don't, don't ruin my immersion. Don't ruin my immersion. I'm, I'm part of the movie right. now, as are you. Like, don't ruin it. Um, do I think there needs to be an intermission? No, like not for me. Like, I'm the guy who's just like, nah, I've got a camel's bladder, man. Like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I only I went to what? I went to see Captain Marvel and it was the first time in maybe decade that I ever had to actually leave in, in the middle of a movie to go use the restroom. But that's not my fault. Okay, it was my fault. I've been up for 24 hours. So, I mean, you, you can't blame me. Maybe. I don't know. I was just on a sugar rush myself. 
all that caffeine in me. Like, mm, I can't wait for the movie to go to the bathroom. It looked a dull point, so that was just, I just can't stay up for 24 hours before the movie. That's okay, I got this. <laughs> yeah, the only times I can remember going to the bathroom during a movie were the, were movies where I'd seen them already once before. And, and so during movies like that, if I have to go to the bathroom, I'll get up and go. But any other movie, I just hold it. You know, it's like, I don't care if I'm uncomfortable. I paid for this. I'm not going to miss a second of it. So, anyway. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how big it is where you guys are, but out here, they've got the, like, recliner theaters yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Like, it doesn't occur to me to get up during the, Like, I'm comfy. <laughs> if it's a boring movie, I risk falling asleep. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the local theater, like, two years ago converted to recliner seats. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's definitely nice. But, uh, yeah, for me, I don't need it. I, I don't think it's a problem to have longer movies. I, I think that if... I, I would rather, if you have the story, that you leave it at the longer length and and uh, then rather than cut it to where, like, the movie feels, like, really rushed and the storyline doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I usually prefer director's cuts anyway, uh, although there's a few cases where I've seen movies where I'm like... Yeah, the director's cut actually is the worst, but in general, I prefer uh, director's cut. So I'm fine with that. And like I said, you know, like I don't get a whole bunch of concessions because I know, you know, go to the bathroom before the movie starts and don't get concessions, you know, because I don't want to miss any of the movie. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my philosophy on, on viewing. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've seen some people complaining about it online. I, I don't know that really big a deal but um just kind of sort of curious how other people felt about it so um i think we all agree so whatever <laughs> can we skip can we skip the rest of april now please i want this movie now uh, yeah yeah well i'm interested in shazam so I'm okay with Shazam, but yeah, I, I, I want to see Avengers Endgame really soon. Uh, before we start talking about The Gifted, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. Transmission commencing. This is Wookiee Radio. Translated for the Wookiee Affair. I like that Wookiee. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed he's a Wookiee. Start listening today, and remember... The Force will be with you, always. talked about at the top of the show we're going to talk about the gifted season two and um last year um angie mike and i uh talked about season one but uh james is uh is new for us talking about the gifted so james uh before we get started diving into the show why don't you just briefly mention what your background is with uh the x-men universe and uh what you thought of season one of the gifted oh man um so my background with the x-men universe uh goes back to the good old childhood days um essentially i i mean i grew up 
I I was the kid who wasn't really a big active comic fan until much later in life. Like it wasn't until I like hit my like late teens, early twenties that I really started finally getting into comics. I picked okay. up a few here and there when I was much much younger, but I never really like followed anything. Like I I would go to there was this bookstore in this crummy little mall in Butte, Montana, that they would have these like big packages of just like a bunch of random comics, and it was just like fifteen comics for like five bucks. And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and so I ended up reading all kinds of stuff that I was like, I don't know what this is or what that is and this is crazy um so i meant to pick- i i've purchased one of those bags before in my life and yeah it's exactly like because it'll, it'll be random issues too it's not like number yeah. ones or anything it's just like you know here's like you know um 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 uh, the creeper number three or something, and it's just like, what, what is this? You know? Yeah, like I ended up, I, added, I like, I ended up with like an Adam Warlock comic that was like right in middle of like mm. the Infinity whatever, like Gauntlet series with him, uh, from like way back when. So <laughs> I had no context from sure. the beginning or the end, and I was just like, I. This seems like an ass. If trip. if it had Warlock's name on it, that's almost certainly Infinity <laughs> Crusade. Because uh, his his standalone book wasn't around uh, for any of the earlier so Infinity stuff. So for me, it, stuff, was, it so, just felt yeah. like I read an acid trip. I was like, I don't. This is confusing. <laughs> um, so as far as most of my experience was actually started with the animated series um, that uh, premiered mm-hmm. on Fox Kids every Saturday morning. Um, so that was like my go-to jam. I was always watching the X Men through there. Um, I've watched mm-hmm. all of the movies that they've made good or terrible um i've I've gone through the gambit with them um so i mean i and like i love logan logan is probably for me one of the best um x-men related movies uh out there like i just think story-wise it was really fantastic so um a lot of my experience like extended to uh more extreme like offshoot characters and i always like like the elseworld story out there like the whole like hulk versus the wolverine um i remember when they announced that they were doing it i actively followed its release for like a year um because i was like when's it coming out i gotta buy it i gotta buy it now because i was just and all it was was they had shown one frame where they're like Wolverine gets ripped in half by the Hulk and the Hulk throws both halves to different places and Wolverine sniffs out his other half and crawls back to it then heals and then goes and fights the Hulk again. And I was like, how can you not read that? That sounds ridiculous. And I have to do it. Yeah. His healing factor has gotten more ridiculous as time has gotten on because it used to just be like, yeah, he heals quicker than a normal person. Now it's like you can do things like rip him in half and he can reattach himself, which isn't really like, that's not healing. That's like magic. Right, you know. Right, right. right. There's a difference between healing and full on just I regenerated everything. Right. Like Yeah, so I mean I got I got into uh this series, um God, kinda late. Like I didn't start the first season until it was already completed. Uh okay. so I I in like I had been catching things here and there from the gifted but i didn't have any other friends who had really watched it and i was just like eh. I, I, I take that personally i know i know <laughs> it's like uh i'll give it a shot i'll give it a shot so yeah no i ended up uh pretty much binging the whole first season and hmm. i really liked the direction that they took a lot of things like it was really interesting the concept of how they've introduced how they introduced mutants in this the fact that like we're away from the x-men so it gets us out of that sandbox like we know that they're mm-hmm. a part of that universe and they were a part of that world but they kind of had vanished and so it was just like oh okay 
um, some of the mutants that they they this like I was familiar with and stuff. So like I I had a little bit of common ground. So I wasn't just like off in the woods, just like cool mutants I know nothing about in a world I know nothing about. I'm in for the long haul. Uh, so uh, no, I really liked the direction like the first season went. Uh, I thought I thought like it it was like a lot of first seasons. Some of the writing was really good. Mm-hmm. Some of the writing is, is all right, but like there were different like story concepts that like I felt like could have been executed a lot better. And um, and like the show, like it, it, it towards the end, I feel like the series had like really found its steam. Like it finally kind of knew what it was and where it was going. And um, I was just like, okay, okay, I have I have big hopes for season two. So yeah, I also like to describe the series as the burn notice relocation project. <laughs> it's fair. That's fair. As we see a lot of actors from Burn Notice turn up, even like sort of like reoccurring type character like actors like show up in this yeah. show. So even though we don't have the main cast, you know, there's no, uh, you know, I mean, we, it would be great if we could get uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. But, yeah, you who, know. Does, who doesn't want Bruce Campbell in their TV show? I mean, he belongs to everything. <laughs> right. I, I mean, heck, uh, Bruce Campbell is Wolverine, <laughs> huh? Huh? It'd be the best. Groovy. Snicked. <laughs> well, and the best part is like, so my wife watches True Blood, and she's never watched any of The Gifted, and so like randomly, I was watching an episode like for the recent season because uh, she hadn't seen anything up to that, and so like suddenly she's um, the guy who plays Reed, and she goes, "That's Bill Compton," and I go, "No, that's Reed. Bill Compton's ridiculous. This guy's so much better." <laughs> <laughs> in real life he's married to the actress that played rogue so oh uh, really yeah <laughs> oh that's 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 a huge age difference <laughs> yeah he's married to anna paquin and they have kids <laughs> so. oh wow okay maybe yeah. the gifted just adds on the age because there's wrinkles <laughs> just the stress of the whole mutant revolution oh, well the one that gets me is poor jamie chung because she is trying so hard so hard to like wash the stain of Dragon Ball Evolution from her resume, and so she's doing a stain that can never go away. Right. She, she's like, I'm gonna do Once Upon a Time. I'm gonna do Gotham. I'm gonna do Gifted. I'm gonna do like every like geeky genre show that I can get, you know, my hands on, so that people remember me for being Chi-Chi in Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> But to be fair, she was like uh, probably the only good thing from the thing. Oh, from yeah. Dragon Ball Evolution. What nah, you didn't like I'm, seeing nah. Piccolo and Goku have like <laughs> some weird like fairy flight. No, I, I'm just taking issue with the fact that there's anything good <laughs> in Dragon Ball Evolution. I'm not. I mean, it's good <laughs> if you make your own riff tracks version to it. Well, I mean, I guess if I was going to pick one thing that was okay, Dragon Ball Evolution, it would be uh, Chow Yun Fat as uh, as Master Roshi. <laughs> that, that was a good one. I did kind of like him, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> so. One of the things that I really liked heading into this season and that I thought that they, as far as just like the concept of the season that they did with this was to try to lay out the fact that there's like, it's more than just two sides. So we've got, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the underground and we got those guys who are about, you know, coexistence. We've got Reva and her group, which... Yeah, you could call it separatists, but I mean, really, they're about mutant supremacy because, you know, if you split the country in two, 
you know, they're still going to rule their half. So it's more about like, you know, power and conquest. And then you've got like characters like the Morlocks who are just like, we just like want to go away and like, just like find a place where just nobody bothers us. And so I kind of liked that they had, you know, more layers to the, the story and it was more of a spectrum of, um, of, of, of character, you know, like, uh, motivations. Um, and of course, even within Reva's group, there was a lot of different, like, you know, points of view and everything. So I, I like that because that's one of the things to me, like, that makes X-Men great. And one of the things that really excited me about the X-Men animated series when I was young is because it was the first time I ever saw a cartoon where characters didn't, like, oh, all the good guys are friends and, hey, chum, you know, like, let's go fight crime. All right. You know, and, uh, you know, the bad guys, some of the bad guys were really noble and really good, you know, like, like good people that because of circumstances or whatever, were doing bad things. And so it was a sort of complexity that you don't, you know, typically see. And uh, so uh, just out of curiosity, just sort of looking at the season, you know, um, what did you think of like how they depicted, you know, the mutants and sort of the the fight that mutants have to go through and, and like the different sides? So, uh, Mike, let's start with you on that Dude, one. Dude, every time I look at this and I always go back to how Stan Lee came up with it uh, back in the day with the whole civil rights movement. It's like I look at this and it's like, God, can no one else remember history? Like, is this a world that does not have a civil rights movement? <laughs> like, where are you? Uh, it's just, it fathomed me that even the the purifiers had this insane amount of power. And they were super racist. No. But just, but what, but that's what I, I have to really give gifted on that is, of course, because I grew up with the uh, X-Men animated series. Uh, the old school 90s show and it clearly shows the difference of mutants are they're different but they just want to dip, they just want a better life humans are really like no you're not you're different so we're gonna make sure you don't have that life and i got that here in gifted i didn't really get much of it in the movies per se because we are apparently more c- concerned about gene or whatever but <laughs> <laughs> It's like you rebooted it. You had a chance to do something yeah. different, and you're doing the same thing. You can't, you can't teach us okay, lessons. Anyway. Come on. <laughs> so gifted really brought that aspect of humans versus mutants, and brought the yeah, they just it brought the uh, the perspective on both sides. And even then, I expected to try it. Like I tried to go over uh, guys. Jesse is his name. Why well, I keep saying thinking this uh, Jesse? It's the, the, oh, uh, oh, the single oh, service dude. Burn notice, <laughs> dude! I knew it. I knew as soon as you said burn notice, like that's all I'm gonna think about is this burn notice character name. <laughs> yeah. A, um. Oh God! Now I'm trying to remember his name from the gift <laughs> to um, agent uh, something. Um, I didn't even catch you use the wrong name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I feel really bad because I can't remember. <laughs> Jace, Jace. Jace, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I, you, you try and feel for Jace, but he's making all these bad decisions. It's like, you know, you're making it hard. I understand why your wife left. This is not working out. 
And but I, that's what that's the, that's what I like about the gifted is it actually goes back to the roots of the X Men comic books of mutants versus humans. But it's really not about always fighting. It's just always about surviving. I love that. Yeah. I, see, the thing is, and here's the problem is because I love Kobe Bell from Burn Notice. I kept wanting to be sympathetic, but other than him having like like three seconds of conscience in like when they were gunning down the Morlocks when he thought there were kids there, like that was like it as far as like him doing anything that warranted any kind of like sympathy or whatever. Like in season one, I thought he was somewhat sympathetic because I got the whole like father whose child was killed and trying to find like, you know, um, you know, someone to blame and everything. Uh, but like in this one, it's just kind of like, he's just like, I am determined now to become an evil person. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, his wife's pleading with him, just, you know, stop. And he just keeps going. And I don't know. I, I did not feel anything for him in this, like going like, why do we keep like switching to him? Like he's, um, you know, like, he's a character that we want to follow, and I kept thinking they were going to do something to, like, turn him, and he was going to become sympathetic, you know, to the mutants suddenly, like, the underground, at least. And it never happened, and I'm just kind of left going, like, yeah. I, I don't care about Jace at all. <laughs> Hence, I don't remember his name. Uh, but, um, um, uh, James, what did you think about uh, how they sort of uh, presented the mutants and their, their struggle? Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It was interesting. Uh, like, I think the social commentary of the show um, overall has just been really compelling in terms of, like, mm. what we're seeing on TV um, that I wish more and more people could actually be aware of. Um, I mean, with this season, like, I don't know, like, having having the split factions and everything was really interesting because it's just, as you said, like, we, we have two two extremes on two different sides and then you have like the morlocks who are like in the middle and they're just like i don't really want one or the other right. we just want to live life like that's what we want we just want to be cool right no fighting yeah. just <laughs> right. living like that's <laughs> is that too much to ask and everybody else is and both of the other sides are like yes so um yeah no i thought i thought the way like because because even within those factions like there's there's the splintering within those factions themselves where like you see a lot of characters really start questioning what's going on in the like what they're doing i mean you even see jace um like even having moments himself where like you know we 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 see certain events happen and he's just like am i really doing the right thing like is this the right way to be going about it um i had real hoped that when he saw that the morlocks were really just helpless and weren't trying to do anything violent and you know it was just you know and then they had the kids there and everything and that he was going to realize that what they were doing is wrong because he joined a hate group for goodness sake i mean at least with sentinel services that was a job a security job and you could make arguments about you know uh, you know, I mean, the, the purpose of, you know, with mutants that are dangerous and whatnot that are actually violent people, you know, that, that you would need a, you know, group like that. But, you know, in this one, it's totally, I am joining the racists and I'm doubling down. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and kind of like with what Mike said, I think that's the biggest thing that, like, threw me entirely is, like, he's obviously a person of color and then he joins a hate group. And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Is that, wait. Did that is that happening? Is this happening? Well, but right the thing now? is, they. But the, here's the thing, because I mean, even he like like he refuses to believe it's a hate group. Like when something's said or whatever, it's like right. you know everyone says like, oh, it's not a hate group. You know, like we're just trying to protect us or you know ourselves and stuff. And it's like it's, we're just but, trying to protect ourselves. 
by going out and killing harmless people. Oh, right. yeah, that makes sense. Sure. But what I'm saying is people don't see themselves as oh, being yeah. part of a hate group. I, I bet you're right. I mean, he should, you know, anyone should be able to see what's going on there. But. <laughs> right. Especially after his buddy just, like, straight up murders the teenager in that one place. And it's just kind of like, then he's kind of off on his buddy, but it's not like, do you see the problem with the whole organization? <laughs> are, are you? <laughs> is, is it clear to you yet? Because if it's not now, I don't know what else we can do. <laughs> Jesse, how could you? <laughs> what we need is Mama Weston to show up and to tell him what for, because she put everybody back in line. Yeah. But. <laughs> All right. Um, did you have anything more that you wanted to say, James? No, not on that front. Okay. Um, so, Angie, what did you think about how they uh, showed the mutants and their struggle? Um, in theory, I really like having the multiple factions. Um it was really interesting. It led to some really interesting interactions between characters. I just am a little mm -hmm. bit resentful because I, I think they dropped one of the more interesting questions from the first season. And that's, you know, when, when you should take the issue in hand. Right. And, and I think that's one of the big differences between say parallels to the civil rights movement or, um, you know, LGBT movement is that, mutants have powers and some of them are incredibly destructive and so when do you step in you mm -hmm. know are you ever justified preemptively coming in and and you know kind of controlling these people even if they haven't done anything and may never do anything you know but some of them have powers or may develop powers that could cause an apocalypse so that was this it's really interesting question and it's one of those questions that i think has an ambiguous you know answer you I, I can i can relate to characters who fall anywhere on the spectrum you know with that question and the first season grappled with it a little bit but it just got dropped in the season because this i think this season just dropped humans <laughs> just generally speaking you know we, uh, there's caitlin and 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 the hate group but you don't see i mean Nobody's pretending that a majority of Americans are purifiers. So we don't really see that kind of, you know, more, I don't want to call it moderate, but just kind of the the majority. You don't see how humans are dealing with any of this or, or what they're thinking. We're looking at different levels of extremism within, within the mutants and then the far extreme of humans. But Caitlin is our only representative example of a sympathetic human. And I think we lose something there. And it might just be that there's too many factions and there's not room for anything else. Yeah, like when they let all the mutants go that were in that psychiatric hospital, I was like, um, you know, they can't all be there because of, you know, somebody just shut them up there to, to like get rid of them. I'm like, a lot of those people probably are violent and dangerous. It's kind of like, you know, and they opened up the prisons too. It's like, yeah, some mutants were probably prosecuted, you know, unjustly, but it's like, but then there are all the mutants who are actually criminals and violent and murderers and everything. You're letting all them out too. So, you know, it's like, this isn't necessarily like the greatest thing. And like the show never really delved into that idea of, you know, some mutants really are dangerous, and then what do you do about that? Because, I mean, that's the thing with X-Men, is the X-Men are a group that are powerful enough and have the equipment and whatever to police mutants. You know, when, when a bad mutant runs amok, the X-Men show up to, to take care of them. But, 
you know, the underground's just trying to, like, survive. They're such underdogs that at this point it's just like they're just trying to subsist. So, you know, what is that force then that takes down, you know, um, dangerous mutants? And I, I, the show did shy away from that. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there was no real discussion of, of what she done about that in a world without the X-Men. The only real glimpse we got of that was the fact that Reva didn't care. They were mutants, so they were superior, even if they were horrible murdering. <laughs> Sorry if you have to put that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but... But Polaris, that's where she shied away, right? That's That was her line. She wanted a mutant homeland. She, You could argue she was down with the mutant supremacy, but she was like, but these are still bad people. Like, we don't we don't want that. We can still be good people. You know what I'm saying? Like that, But that was the only real, real place the show even touched on it. Yeah, see, I don't think that Reva necessarily was okay with those people. I think it was just more of she was going to do anything to get what she wanted, and who knows what would have happened to those guys after... She had her, you know, uh, you know, mutant uh, nation or whatever that she was trying to build. So, I mean, Reva was just after number one, I think. I don't think she really had, like, a global idea. I think she just wanted to be on top of the society that she was going to create. Um, but, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about her. Well, never know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter now. <laughs> um I'm going to, so I was really excited for this season for most of it. I kept thinking that they were going in really interesting places. I liked that they were bringing in a lot of like real world social commentary. Um, and I even liked how with Lorna, because Lorna and Lorna's place in all of this is one of the big turning points that the whole season is kind of spinning around is, you know, how does Lorna, you know, feel about, you know, her decision to join um, and, you know, can Lorna go back and, and all that. And the fact that Reva was working with the purifiers was a good wedge, I think, to drive her between Reva and, uh, or to, to drive between Lorna and Reva. The problem was what I felt like they, that was, was, was the mistake was that to me, the the purifier the the the, the rush limbaugh guy <laughs> that was running the pierce um he he shouldn't have known that reva was a mutant because once you have it be that the mutants are actually controlled no like like my, in my mind reva should have been just feeding him information on mutants that she wanted out of the way because they were opposing her but she like he should have thought that she was a human and that she was just an ally of his to make it where he knowingly knew that she was a mutant and that he was just doing things. It took away like a level of, okay, so the mutants are creating the extremism by controlling the, the, you know, the, the head of the group. And I didn't like that. I felt like all of that should have been, you know, a genuine homegrown hatred, you know, rather than mutants amping up the hatred. And Reva was just willing to like use those people by feeding them information about her enemies. And, and that was what something that I, when you got to the macro plot at the end, because then it was so easy to take the purifiers down at the end, because all Esme had to do was get him to confess, you know, and, and then that discredited their organization. And, um, I don't know. I felt like that, that's the whole, the whole idea of extremism and racism is too complex and difficult to be able to have such a kind of pat solution at the end. Um, but, uh, I don't know. So, so what do you think about all that, James? I mean, yeah, like, uh, 
there there were definitely moments within the season that I I don't know. I was I, I get what you're saying, like where it was it took elements away because it was too obvious. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of television where you have uh, dramatic shows where there is like some sort of, you know, and usually it's like a, a cop FBI kind of thing, right? Where there's like a certain level of secrecy where like the audience doesn't know everything and even the characters don't know everything. And just as you said, like they give us mm-hmm. a little too much where it's just like, oh, wait, like she's she's pretty much behind all of it on all fronts. And it was just like, uh. right. Right, right, because I th- to me, it was enough to drive a moral question even within her group if she was even feeding the purifiers information. Like, if the purifiers thought she was a human and she was just feeding them information, because then it's like, hey, wait a minute, you're selling your own out? And she's like, well, they're against us, so shouldn't we get you know rid of them? And, and that would have been an interesting enough dynamic. But instead, when you make it that Reva is the one actually behind the purifier completely pulling their strings, then it's like, no question. Like, yeah. of course that's wrong, right? You know, like... Like the mutants, you know, like no, no mutant that knew that would be like, hey, that's cool. Unless they were like, you know, true like sociopaths. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I thought I thought it was it was interesting that like they go that path. And then on top of it all, like we we the audience know, know all of that. And then simultaneously, like it, it does make it difficult to like see everything else kind of happening, because now that we have all the information, like we're sitting mm-hmm. here watching, you know, the the essentially the heroes and we're, we're, we're going, but no, there's all of that stuff. It's so simple. You could figure it out. Um, and they just, they don't, um, there were just different aspects that like, I, I don't know, like I kind of, and I'm one of those people, like I, I find myself in a lot of shows where I'm like, let's just get to the point of things. Like, let's get to the crux of the issue kind of thing. I don't need like the weird minutiae in between, which I, uh, <laughs> which I understand that's not the way human, the human world works, right? Like people have relationships and people develop feelings and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, I, I found myself getting to this point where I was just like, I don't care about the relationship between Blink and the other guy. I just don't. What I love love is that they're totally cool with the fact that the only reason that they're together is because Dreamer altered her memories and, you know, like, John's not like, but Dreamer's really the person that I was in love with and she's dead. It's just like, "Eh, I gotta swap. Okay, no biggie. You know? (laughs) I lost nothing. I lost nothing. Okay. I guess. Sure. Yeah, like, I just, I, I, and it's one of those, like, little things that I hit a point where I'm like, Ugh, can we just not ever show this in, in an episode again? Like, I don't care. It's <laughs> um, like they even did it towards the end of the season where, like, he's still, like, got this attachment, right? And he's like, no, but I could still feel her. And I was just like, could you, like, suck it up for two seconds? Just, like, two <laughs> seconds here. Or, like, do your job. Can you do that? I was just, uh, it, it's one of those things, like, I have the same problem when I watch anime where like they come up with filler episodes that aren't part of like the manga or anything like that and it's like little minutiae things that i'm like don't care i just existing i don't i just don't care and this is the problem i have with modern television too i'm like eh. but i mean overall like i i don't know like i i did like a lot of the different aspects that they threw into mm-hmm. this season but yeah there were like little things like that where it was like there's too much like you gave us a little too much like pull back pull back just a bit 
and just keep keep me enthralled with it where i'm trying to guess yeah. things i think they wanted to make reva even more of a mastermind like string puller but like i say i feel like it like really like hurt like the real issue at the heart of things that the the racism that is inherent in humanity you know, and that being natural and not being something where somebody is like artificial. Like Riva argues, Riva argues it would have happened anyway, but it's like, well, we don't know that because you artificially created it. You know, so. Well, you know. now we'll never know. Right. <laughs> so, um, so Angie, what do you think about this? Uh, I, think I lost the question somewhere. Oh, okay. Well, do you think that like with like how they presented Riva and her relationship to the purifiers. Do you think that that like hurt the narrative or do you feel like that was, that was fine? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I took the, I took the purifier guide more like a Jones figure. Um, so it didn't really, I mean, I just looked at him as more of an opportunist and, um, so it didn't bother me so much that he knew, uh, what, who Riva was from the beginning. I don't think it was very smart of Riva, but I don't think a lot of what Riva did was very smart. So um, it, that didn't harm the narrative so much. Um, un- unfortunately, Girl looked fierce, but I could care less about Riva and her. I think there needed to be less of her. She she probably would have been more effective if she was more mysterious, frankly. Yeah, I, I kept wanting someone to use a power from a distance on her because the whole thing of I exhale and you just like, you know, fall to the ground and can't do anything just like was really annoying because <laughs> it looked so stupid, you know, like, oh, you know, with her mouth open and, and, you know, everything's shaking around except for her. And it's just like, ah, I, uh, I, I just thought that was such a stupid effect. And I'm like, anyone with brain should be able to get around this power. <laughs> Well, and then she killed Sage, so bite me, lady. <laughs> did you did you really care about Sage? More than Reva. Oh, okay, fair enough. But <laughs> but it's like Sage, I don't know. Sage never really got enough development for me to really care. But she showed up to get killed. <laughs> right. Yeah. She was way more interesting in the first season. I'm just glad Fade got killed at the end because he's been such an annoying character since day one. So I'm kind of glad that they killed him off on the final in the final battle. Yeah. Um, and Mike, what do you think? I didn't agree with any of what Reva was doing. Mm-hmm. The uh, and, and you're absolutely right. when it comes to Reva being a mastermind behind the purifiers, creating the purifiers. At that point, like we get it, you're the bad guy. We already knew you were the bad guy. You were going full Magneto, which was awesome. But then you did this. It's like, uh, Magnus wouldn't even have done this. Right. Like, and that's the thing. On. I wanted I wanted her to be legitimately pro-mute. But the fact that she was able, willing to do that means that she was just after herself. Right. You know, she doesn't care about mutants and mutants being, you know, like supreme. It was more about, like, she'll use that as her propaganda. But what she cares about is me being supreme. Well, I mean, I even... Like, even uh, knocking out the Morlocks, like, even using the purifiers, I'm okay with feeding the information, feeding it to them, and just like, hey, these these I heard these people are here. Kind of not even face-to-face. No face-to-face. Just feeding yeah. it. Don't be behind it. And when and when she used the Morlocks, uh, when the 
sorry, when the purifiers got rid of the Morlocks, Reva came walking in. No, oh, don't worry about anything in here. It's like that would have been smooth if we didn't know that she was behind purifiers. If she didn't create mm. it, that's my issue. Like her slipping the information is one thing. Her masterminding and creating it, that's another. And I had no sympathy for that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Reva, and see, the thing is, when you throw a name like Inner Circle out there, I, I wanted to see at least, like, someone I recognized. God, <laughs> I hated that. The Hellfire Club. There was no mention of, of queens or kings or bishops or anything. Right. Well, she took out, I mean, in the beginning, like, the first episode, they have, like, the whole board, even though they don't mention what their roles are, they have the whole inner circle there, and she kills all of them, like, right off the bat. And it's like, well, that's stupid. Why even call it the inner circle then? Other than that you check the box on your X-Men names. Right. You know, like, okay, can we use the name inner circle? Great. Okay. You know, they should have just had Reva be her own thing and not even mention the inner circle. You know, so that they could potentially use something like, you know, like an act closer to the Hellfire Club um, in a later story. Um, but, oh well. Let's talk about our characters. Um, so let's talk about um, Reed, starting off there. Um, Mike, I think you had some strong uh, opinions about Reed uh, right off the bat when we were talking before. So um, why don't we start with you? What do you think about Reed this season and his journey? He aged so fast. <laughs> And, and you know what? I'm pretty sure and as soon as I say that, I remember that Ben, ben at Cumberbatch and Kira or uh, Natalie Portman meme. It's like, uh, like, Natalie Portman, you look really tired. You do not say that to the most beautiful girl in the world. Yeah, f- you. I just <laughs> it popped to my head. But Reed was interesting. And I feel so Reed is the lineage from the Von Struckers. He's, of course, he's the dad. He's the catalyst. And then, of course, you have Fenris, the new kids. With Reed, he couldn't... I feel like he was just... He had no place to be. We already had Mom being the voice of the humans, being the voice of somewhat reason, and even going extreme when needed to. But with Reed, with something to do. And that's one thing I love and I hate about the X-Men in the in this universe of cinematicness is you could do whatever the hell you want you can make up a new part because why because it doesn't matter Mm. air mutants nothing is real (laughs) (laughs) so what we're going to give a von strucker who lost his powers basically actually was suppressing it what are we going to do with them we're going to give him a build down to Legos. It's going to be great. <laughs> I was so I was so nervous in every scene, like, after, like, his powers first flared up. I'm like, first of all, like, there are scenes with him driving, and I'm like, why? Why would you ever let him behind a wheel ever again? You know, because it's like, you, he's already shown what could happen if he has a flare-up while he's driving. And yet even when he's like, yeah, I'm going to go off the suppression meds, it's like, then they show him in a scene, like, the next episode driving. I'm like, you don't know when those suppression meds are going to wear off. You know, <laughs> like, it can be any minute. And then, like, every time he was touching someone, like, either, like, Lauren or, or, or his wife or anything, it's just like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> You know, I would actually, like, start, like, gripping the arms of the couch, like, a little tighter, because I'm, I'm nervous that something bad's going to happen here. Don't don't touch anyone. Don't touch anything. I mean, he was a ticking time bomb, and it was, anno- right. and it was annoying, especially then when Lauren finds the, the, the box that Reed even listened to. It's like it holds a, 
a mysterious <laughs> power. Stop it. What are you doing? Like, Andre, what are you doing? Just talking it. Not this. This whole music box is supposed to be a catalyst that helps that push Lauren uh, over to Blondie. <laughs> he looked so ridiculous this season. <laughs> I, my wife and I just laughed. I don't know his name. I escape it. And I don't even care. I don't even oh. like that kid. <laughs> so I can't. I can't take level of shiny vampires. Like yeah. that's what he was for me. So the whole catalyst with I just feel like they just needed something to read to do as a Von Strucker as he's formulating his powers. And in my eyes, it was a really destructive power, really awkward to manage on a CGI level. It looked nasty. And and then his connection trying to get with Lauren, it's like, I would go and do now. I understand. It's like, huh? Okay, I guess this works as a father-daughter relationship ordeal of now understanding that you're growing into your own powers where your daughter already grew into hers and she's still questioned about her life skills. I get it. I get it. I just – I think they just for – and even at the end of it, we had nothing else for Reed. We – he was a likable dad, but he wasn't – he's not Joe West level. That's right. He's not Joe West from The Flash, a lovable, likable dad. We never did hear Reed sing, though. Never heard him sing. <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm sad that they did blow him up, and and the optimist in me wanted to see more of him in season three to see what else we can do with his powers. Maybe he has a little bit of control. Maybe he could do like some juggling. It'll be cool. But no, it's. Them blowing him up, that was honestly probably the right call to make because we had no nothing for him to do. I, I, I was disappointed that he took out Reva by, by making the floor go away because I so wanted him to just, like, reach out and just grab her. You know? <laughs> it's like... Reach out and touch face. Right, exactly. <laughs> just disintegrate her. It'll be fine. Yeah, that was just, like, the most weakest boss fight ever. Just <laughs> how long can you hold that note? <laughs> and... And he's just doing at, and literally it's just touch the floor, let it disintegrate far enough to drop her. And it could have been like a sneak attack. He didn't even have to do anything. It's like, what's going on with the room? The room is crumbling because I touched it. Bye and walk out. The floor is lava. <laughs> floor is lava. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying though. I, I think in some ways they decided that. I think they decided that Reed was surplus to requirements and that they didn't know what to do with him, which is why they, they did his whole arc here. Because it was – it just kind of came out of left field that suddenly his power, which had been suppressed his whole life, just suddenly got unsuppressed. And, you know, then the whole idea of, well, he didn't get it through puberty like he should have and he never control it. And so it's this really dangerous thing. I did like – the one cool thing I thought that, that made it really interesting was – um, they brought up the idea of a mutant cure and that whole story about how, you know, and, 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 and again, it was one of those really interesting places that then they sort of shied away from because like the whole idea of some mutants actually have painful powers that they don't want because it hurts, right? You know, like it's not, you know, it's not like somebody who can just turn something on or off that's just like, oh, this is really cool. I can fly if I want to, or I can shoot energy blasts or whatever, but it doesn't do anything negative to me. You know, there are some mutants that had that have real problems that would want to get rid of those powers. But then by making the doctor who was doing it 
you know, like uh, an evil racist herself that was like trying to like, you know, get rid of mutants, you know, overall. His brother ran the purifiers. Like, right. There's, there's no other hate groups in America. They all have stuff purifying. <laughs> Right, because because what would have that what would have made that story a lot more interesting is if she was just a genuine doctor of we will we will do this to any mutant who wants it. Yes. Right? Oh my god. But then if somebody else took the technique, so that's the thing though. Once you have that out of the bottle, then unscrupulous people who hate mutants could then get access to it and then use it against mutants, you know, and force them, you know, to 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 have it, but. The only way that would have been plausible to me, who was the, and this is going, of course, going, well, actually, this is in the comic books. What's Abertus' real name again? Victor Creed. If she was a Creed, that's the only way that that would have, like, that would have, like, oh, she's a Creed. She was married or even married into the Creeds. Whatever. I don't care. If she had a Creed name, Creed lineage, I would have been, okay, she's definitely purifier. She's a bad lady. We need to get the hell out of here. That's the only plausible way. But the whole, she's, she, she really hates them. Uh, not like a hate, hate, but it's like, no, no, no. They're just missing. They're just, they're just wrong. They were made different. I have technology. I can fix that. <laughs> no. Nah. But yeah, Victor Creed line, it, uh, Victor Creed line going into that purifiers, going with that doctor would have been a better much better way to go. Uh, but yeah, see, I like the idea that they brought up the idea of a cure and actually had the temptation there for, you know, like even Lauren was kind of like, oh, you know, you know, this, this, this might be a thing, you know, a good thing, etc. But, but because the doctor was so obviously like anti-mutant entirely, you know, it just kind of like muddled the waters there too. Uh, I feel like they, they, again, they shied away from a more complex, you know, issue that they could have delved into. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Angie, any, any other thoughts about Reed? Um, no, I mean, I, I did, you know, when, after he blew himself up, I was like, you know, you didn't really have to destroy the Dr. Lee's whole lab. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think I watched the show week to week. And I'm wondering if I would have had more patience if I had binged it. Um, Because I felt like they did. They went into these plot lines and then shied away from them instead of leaning in. And it made everybody seem very wishy-washy. So Reed wants this cure because his powers are physically harming him. And he gets confirmed that they'll probably kill him at some point. So he wants this cure and then he changes his mind. But he's going to suppress it. But everybody knows it's just a stopgap. And then he's like, whatever, I'll just embrace it. And then he's like, never mind, I can't. I'll just suicide myself. I, I mean, it, it. the series kind of just seemed like I felt like every character is giving me whiplash. <laughs> um, so Reed, I think, would be the worst offender, but also Blink, like just make up your mind, like stop changing it every other episode. Like the the fate of the world is on the line, so please get your act together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like it was a nice scene, it was well acted. I I had a problem with the um the tick that he chose for when his powers were emerging it looked real dumb, but mm. that's just a minor gripe. Um, otherwise, I didn't have too much of a problem with this storyline. And uh, James, did you have anything to add about Reed? Uh, as as Moriarty in Sherlock, he's just so 
boring. <laughs> like, he, like that's how I just I I and I hate to say it, I've kind of felt about Reed's character since the first season, as I'm like, why matter beyond like I'm dad. That's pretty much it. Well, in the first season, he had knowledge that was helpful, and so he had more of a place, I think, there, because he kept on bringing up, like, oh, this is the process for what they do with mutants, and they take them to this place, and I know what that place is like on the inside, and he's the intel guy. But now we're going, like, well off, like, any kind of, like, legal process when it's just, like, random rednecks rounding up mutants. And so it's kind of yeah. like... well, it's just like Mike said. It's like they exhausted that, and right. so it's like, what do we what do we do with Reed now? Um... Uh, He's got hidden powers, and it's like, oh, okay, but he can't control him. Oh, uh, I mean, I guess that makes sense, and it's going to kill him eventually anyways. And it was like, oh, so no matter where we go with this, right. Reed's gone. Got it. Okay. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't feel him as a compelling character beyond, like, consistently being the guy whose wife is just like, but we need our son back. And he's like, okay, let me talk to him. Because he has uh, numerous conversations with their, like, mopey son about what he's doing, where he's just like, hey, what you're doing isn't the right side of things. Like, there's a better way. You should come back to the family and his boy being like, you're dumb. And then, like, hanging up the phone. So... (laughs) I was just like, I read. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I do feel like his end was pretty much the most logical way you could get rid of the character at this point. With everything that they act against him, like it's a hero's ending. It gives motivation to the other characters to be like, Dad died for this, so now we have to be better. <laughs> All right, so, so here's my problem, though, with the ending that, that I should have brought up before. My wife and I kept saying throughout the whole season, once Lorna's back on their side, Reva's done. Because the logical person to send against Reva wasn't Reed. It was Lorna, who could stay at the elevator, get some metal, wrap it around Reva's mouth, and then just pick her up and throw her out the window. That's all you needed to do. No danger. No nothing. Lorna could have just taken care of it on her own. No, she instead needed to, like, help laser beams shoot and blow things up around a bunch of like <laughs> missiles and whatnot because that made way more sense <laughs> i was like there didn't need to be a sacrifice i guess to be fair a lot of a lot of mutants are immune to their own powers to some extent so we don't actually know that reed is dead <laughs> it's fair that's fair well yeah but the floor the floor disintegrated so he fell and holding collapse or something <laughs> i mean it, it got blown out but I mean, you know, see a body, and this is a Marvel show, so it's true. It is no, completely no, possible. Fairness. He exploded so hard that he ripped through <laughs> the very fabric of time itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because and Blink- that's why Blink shows up at the end. And she's like, "You guys gotta see this." <laughs> Blink's like, "Yeah, yeah." Reed's here with me. He just got like blown <laughs> right? into the future. I'm not gonna lie. I'm half expecting that to be honest. Like, I'm like, uh, maybe he's not gone. I don't know. I but, I yeah. really think that they. Just decided i i have a feeling that this was a retooling of the leads and that they decided that reed was surplus to requirements that they didn't need him anymore i i honestly think that um if anything i think they're probably going to replace him with um with erg not 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 in like the strucker family but like just like you know to be like the to be like the more stable stayed like you know kind of guy in the group you know like <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he's hooking up with Caitlyn. That would be weird. <laughs> but 
It's like kids meet your black dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, um, Caitlin, um, I absolutely adore Amy Acker and everything that she's in. Um, even though she is sometimes annoying in this because it's like, we've got to get Andy back. Oh, oh, Reed, my son, he's out there. He made his own decision. Sends a tool. Move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's he, he, he decided that, you know, he, he wants to be evil. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're we're, we're going to talk of feelings about Andy's quote unquote redemption, but we're, we're not going to go there right now. But it's just like, uh. Yeah, I, I got a little upset about her blubbering, but other than that, you know, I I like her, and I like the fact that, you know, it is a little bit of a trope because she's the mama bear, but she is so awesome as the mama bear, and she is so tough and so fierce that it is just really, you know, it's really fun to watch her, you know. Uh, she's going to protect her family no matter what, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, I like that. So, um, Angie, thoughts on uh, Caitlin? Um... I, I mean, I think the word you're looking for is a little crazy. Uh, she's, she's gone just a little crazy, which <laughs> frankly was an improvement to the character, I think. So, um, yeah, I I wasn't a great fan of her in the first season. I thought they wasted Amy Acker. didn't give her a lot to do. She definitely has more to do this season um, after the first couple of weepy episodes. Um, so where she was at by the end of the season, I'm on board. Um, I think she's got some some fun storylines ahead yeah they're just going through the fred progression you know and if, if there's a third season she's gonna be possessed by some like ancient mutant oh, or no. something and she's gonna get the phoenix <laughs> <laughs> okay 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 uh marvel if you're listening to this please first of all renew the gifted for season three. Second of all make caitlin the phoenix <laughs> i want it I didn't know I wanted it until Angie just told me that I wanted it, but now I anything less than that will be a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, James, what do you think about Caitlin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Angie's assessment pretty pretty fully there. Uh, she just goes, like, slightly off the deep end, just enough off the deep end, um, where, you know, it's just like... And I feel like the character, like, definitely by the end of the first season was just like, cool, so my kids have powers, and I want to help these people, but I don't feel like I'm super constructive in any other capacity other than being a medical professional who can, like, help people. And so, of course, we get into this season, and she's just like, I've got a gun now, and I make the rules. Um, so <laughs> She's shooting up the junkie. And she's like, help me, yeah, kids. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. suddenly she got very, like, Liam Neeson's taken with it. Like, I've got a particular set of skills, and I'm going to use them for bad things. So, <laughs> it, was like, it was like, whatever happened to the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm? Like, what the hell? Um, she's a mother first. But, it, you know, it, like, it's okay. It's whatever. Um, no, I I thought her her character was a lot more compelling, but I did get a little tired of the back, very consistent back and forth between like her and her kid, or her and Reed, where she was just like she was like, no, we have to do what's best for everybody, and then she like straight up just goes and makes like a decision that impacts everybody that's very selfish, um, and even gets called on it like every time where like there's the moment they're they're trying. Uh, to to get the Morlocks um, away from the police, right? And so they stop in the parking, the garage, and they're like, we all have to go our separate ways. And her daughter's just like, 
did you do that just to save us? Like, is that what your whole motivation is? She's like, listen, <laughs> that might have happened anyways. So this is just the way it works. And it was just like, wait, like, but it didn't have to? Okay, because I've seen you hotwire a car. You could have hotwired another car, but nah, that's okay. So... <laughs> So that was the only problem I had, where it's just like, uh, I mean, you keep getting taken to task, but it just doesn't seem to matter. So, I did like that they kind of had mutants with useless powers, which is what the Morlocks have typically been in the comics. Like, only a handful of them, like, have, like, you know, really, like, useful powers. And it's just kind of funny that it's like, yeah, these people are all, like, dead weight. They can't help with, like, running or doing anything. It's just, <laughs> they just look a little different or whatever. And so it's just like... Right? Like, this one can make a wedding cake out of garbage cans. And it's just like, oh, cool. We don't need her. Go, go. That sounds like an incredibly useful power. <laughs> right? I mean, not size number, I think, maybe. But, you know, later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, Mike, what did you think about Caitlin? Go Mama Bear. Yeah. She, uh... She at least found her place. She she used her medical knowledge to help out where needed. Bree was a supportive husband. I'll give you that, sir. <laughs> Caitlin, I don't know where in the hell she got this giant-ass desert eagle, but apparently that's the go-to weapon for anybody. It's like, I'm a small, tiny white woman, but look at this good. <laughs> look at it. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> That thing is literally the size of her arm if she folded it over to try and lick her elbow. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I will give her that. She, I can't even believe it. She actually went back to her brother to get him wrapped up in this. Yeah, I thought that was really stupid. Because I was like, wait, wait. <laughs> Wasn't your brother, like, willing to sell you? I, I don't remember season one all that clearly, but I seem to recall her brother kind of being like... Yeah, like, there's a problem now with all these people. I think you kind of need to, like, go out there. I think that was probably, <laughs> no. probably the turn that she realized that she was going to need to be better, especially if she wants to try and get Andy back. She was going to have to be stronger. She was going to have to be more fierce and just make some <laughs> ass. And, and the whole... And, you know, I try as a person who is 34, who has no kids and lives with their mother. I understand the mother son relationship <laughs> of, <laughs> of wanting to get your baby, your baby boy back from. So because, you know, he's doing bad things, but you need to protect him. I get that. I get, not saying that's my life, but I get that. So. <laughs> Her struggle to get Amy back was was a fight that she was willing to die on the sword for. But but yeah, when I think it was probably at that moment when Andy actually went to go save Lorna from the purifiers, that whole thing and he just snapped and literally snapping a slim jim and the look on mom's face, on Caitlin's face, on Reed's face, on Lauren's face, on everybody's face, and just going, yeah. This is your baby boy now. Welcome to Adam. Yeah, although although none of that mattered in the long run. But uh, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to my problems with Andy. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about Lauren. Lauren, she don't know what she wants to do. What, she doesn't what, know. One of three like Marvel like TV show characters who are all indistinguishable from each other. <laughs> 
the other two being uh, Tandy from Cloak and Dagger and um, and uh, oh crap, I forgot her name from Agents of Shield last year. The uh, the villain. Um, little girl. Yeah. It's like, it's like Marvel's just like, Hey, let's get some short, you know, blonde white girls. And like, just like they have some sort of like uh, assembly line somewhere. But, um, but yeah, Lauren, um, the whole like sort of vaguely sexual thing between her and Andy kind of creeps me out. <laughs> the whole sort of like, cause, cause the whole thing is about them touching, right? And they keep in these dreams where they're with each other and the whole thing of like the touch being the thing that causes the explosion and just, I don't know. There's like this whole subtext going on with them and the way they look at each other and everything that I'm just like, there is something really weird and disturbing and wrong about they present Andy and Lauren and their whole relationship. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Apparently, I missed a bunch of subtext. Okay. <laughs> Mike and James, am I wrong? You're in your boat by yourself, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. James, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't really catch it. I, I mean, I thought, I thought okay. every interaction between the two of them was definitely strange. Like, it, just, it seemed just like. <laughs> Both of you were weird, um, but that was really all. Well, I- even in the first season, though, that the touching and how, like how they react when they touch and everything just always seemed like really like I don't know. Oh. My wife sees it. <laughs> She's not here. She just had to take my word for it. <laughs> we're just like this is just wrong. I mean, was it creepy when the, the few scenes that we saw the originals? Wait, wait, hold, hold, hold on, just one second. Hold on, just one second. Beth, are you in the next room in here? <laughs> He needs validation, it's guys. It's really weird. <laughs> okay, see, she's saying it. Say it again. <laughs> it's really, really, really weird. Okay. <laughs> it's a really sick anime trope, like, um, <laughs> like the anime Cerez. <laughs> it's that level. Oh, 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 oh. okay, thank you. You invoked Cerez. Oh, my God. That's a really messed up anime. All right, anyway. Oh, but, uh, yeah, Lauren, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it is about these characters, the, you know, these, these, these short little blonde girl characters. I'm supposed to feel like, oh, your life is so hard, but I, I don't, I just don't. I think it's cool that she's developing her powers and power wise, like some of the stuff she was doing, like making her force fields like super thin so that they could cut stuff. That was, that really was neat. neat. That's actually my husband uh, was all out because his main problem with most of these shows is that nobody experiments with their powers or like practices. <laughs> so he was really happy mm. that she like evolved her power and what she could do with it. <laughs> Yeah, she she what she did is she took like the progression of the invisible woman from the Fantastic Four who can also make force fields. It took her like forty years to get to the point where she didn't just throw a shield around herself to actually like making the shields offensive and doing things with them because it's like, hey, once you make the shield really small, you can do all sorts of crazy things like you know make a bunch of small force fields that like pummel somebody or you know stuff like that. So, okay, looking for yeah. <laughs> right, um, but uh, but yeah, so. So, uh, you know, but I, I don't know her whole struggle of like finding her, you know, finding out what she has to do with her powers and how she feels about Andy and whether she should go to him or he should come to her and all that kind of stuff. Besides being like really weird to me was also just kind of like, I really don't care, Lauren. 
<laughs> I'm much more interested in the adult characters on this show, and you know, I'm sorry, I I, I don't get the, you know, it's it's like the, uh, the 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 old Mad TV thing about the WB shows with of uh, pretty white kids with problems. I'm I'm sorry, I <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, Mike, what did you think about Lauren? She was someone I was trying to like, and I still like her on some level, but it was it was just a struggle trying to figure out what she wants. Right. What what was her what was her focus? The first season was is we need to stop mutants. Oh my god, we found Fenris, the new Von Struckers. What and Reba, we need him on our side. Uh was it Marco? Yeah, Marcos. Marcos, thank you. I forget. I, I, uh, forgetting the syllable. Uh, Marco. What Marcos was just going. Uh, we need to protect these kids. We we're, we're the good guys. Like, okay, cool. They split. Andy. He, yeah, I'm a badass. Lauren. I need to stop going to my brother. <laughs> I don't like this power. <laughs> I feel compelled to go to my brother, but I gotta stop. Stop pushing your validation on wrong. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wrong, but it feels so right. <laughs> <laughs> it, we 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 had the von struckers but we didn't von struckers that's probably what annoys me most is that we had we we had these we have these two new kids who are super powerful and i honestly would have rather seen a fight scene between those two yeah than anything and just see that whole power collide but with Lauren, she she's trying to fight it. She wanted to learn some German. She got afraid of it. She she was she was she apparently got the flu, and her dad helped her understand it. And then all of a sudden, she be- all that weird was a mystical stuff around the music box. It never got adequately explained, and I felt was problematic at best. It's like, I mean. I'm still not quite sure if there was supposed to be something extra about the music box or if it was just the message inside of it that was the thing that, like... Because, you know, they flashed back to um, the Von Strucker guy, you know, basically being like, oh, this music box is going to be special, whatever. Like, you know, did you do the thing? Yeah, I did the thing. Okay. You know, but... So I was like, was that just, like, the fact that the guy put the message inside of it and put, like, a hidden, you know, compartment in it? Or was there supposed to be, like, something extra about it? And we never really get if it was all, like, psychological with Lauren and her dad and just, like, their struggle with mutancy or if it was actually a music box actually does something to people. I think this music box was... For the Von Struckers themselves. Right, but then how does it work? What is it doing exactly? And it was never really like explained very well what was going on there. It wasn't. Uh, in my eyes, I feel like it was supposed to awaken kind of almost like a spirit. The German language? Yes. Yeah, it was, like, it was <laughs> like a little bit, little bit of witchcraft, a little bit, little bit of mysticism, and trying to awaken the, uh, the, the actual power within those Vonkers to their mm. fullest potential. I think that's mm. what Andre especially uh, uh, wanted to do was to create this mutant utopia, you know. Uh, but of course, Sis got shot, and he's all alone. He doesn't know what to do, so he makes a little box, and it's like this is gonna help my family try and become better and continue on this legacy. That was, of course, never explained in the show, so I'm completely making it off the top of my head on my interpretation of how it's supposed to go. Yeah, because it's like, oh, music box, it makes you learn German. Okay. Because <laughs> Reed's even like, Reed's even like, Caitlin, 
Lauren's learning German. Like, oh my god, this is like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And she's like, that must mean that she's turned. She's learning German. I mean, what? Okay, what? I mean, <laughs> come on. It's hey, German's the language of love. Okay. So passionate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ich liebe dick, you know. What's that woman? Doesn't that beautiful? <laughs> oh, anyway, there's nothing wrong with German. <laughs> Took four years of it. All right. Um, <laughs> James, thoughts I mean, on Lauren? Porter German. There's a lot of things wrong with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like on the offhand chance, I really just wanted the music box to play. Do you want to build a snowman? That's all I wanted out of it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Andy, want to build a snowman? <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? Be a snowman. <laughs> so, no, like, I don't know. It, she was another one of these characters this season that, like, I really, I really liked Lauren in the season. And I do, I do like what uh, Angie said, where, like, we, we do see this character actually, like, try different things with her abilities and train different things. Um, because, yeah, you don't see anybody else do that. I mean, you see Strongman punch a wall. Like, that's his training is he just punches a wall. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you can punch a wall. <laughs> yes. The thing about Lauren was that Lauren was more interesting when she had Andy to play off of because you got the two, you know, Andy wanted to be more militant. Let's right. fight these guys. You know, these these racists have driven us out of our homes. You know, we've got to be violent. We've got to tell them what's what. We're more powerful than they are. And you had Lauren being the voice of reason. And, you know, and so their powers kind of went that way, too. Andy's power was very destructive, whereas Lauren's was a protection you know, kind of power. And so it was like you had those two sides. But in this season, without Andy, there to be the counterbalance other than the fact that her powers are interesting and she developed them it was kind of like character wise i didn't really there wasn't a whole yeah, lot no like like they both crazy um where like they just do things that you're like why that doesn't make sense <laughs> I, okay sure um well and that's i i think that's i mean an, an interesting juxtaposition in the show where it's like obviously like they're kids like they're still kids even in season two like they're not they're not even out of their mm -hmm. teens yet and so like we like they're forced into a position of uh in season one of obviously having to like grow up very quickly and be very different people um from what they were and it's kind of forced in mm -hmm. and, and it makes sense that it has to be but like we get into season two and like there's just like no lightheartedness whatsoever we see Lauren um, basically go through like a weird drug withdrawal situation with her powers. <laughs> the powers in the music box are too compelling. Um, and she becomes this like weird, uh, like just a, like, I don't know. It didn't fit. Like that's, that's the only thing I can I kept waiting for the musics to have like a point, like other, you know, other yeah. than like the fact that it made her and Reed do some weird things. It never like came up in the season. It wasn't important. It wasn't like a, we can use the music box to do something. It was just kind of like it was there. Yeah. Like it has its moment and then it's just kind of lost because like then then she takes a little bit of the suppression drug for a little bit and then she's just fine. She's just like, nope, I'm good with it now. I have my powers back and I'm okay. And I was just like, hey, wait, what? I but before you were like a you were like some coke addict who couldn't like shake it and like now you're just you're good? Oh okay. Yeah, no, I guess that doesn't make any sense but sure i'll just roll with it because it's tv um 
Yeah, no, I just, I, I don't know. Like, she, she was not a very compelling character to me this season. Like, last season, uh, much more interesting, because like you said, like, she had a counter that was a different, like, balance to, like, bounce off of. And in this one, yeah, it, just, it was just like, we, we see her mm. become not what I want her, not what I wanted her to be. And then, like, we finally kind of come back at the end of the season towards, like, oh, I'm a much more sane person and much more reasonable now because my brother showed up. And yeah, that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the other problem is they don't ever have her develop relationships with anyone outside her family. Like, there's the one guy that she thinks is kind of hot at the cure place, and she, you know, but that lasts a few seconds, right? The, but the thing is, it's like, like, like it, 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 they, she's been living in close quarters with Marcos and John and and Blink and all of them, and it's like, shouldn't she be like more friendly with them? Shouldn't she be like going to them for advice or whatever? But but instead, right. fist bump once in a while or something. Right. It seems like there was no relationship there between her and the other members of the underground. I mean, she would go with them on things, but they never seemed to be like a close relationship of any kind. So it's like it's like they didn't develop her character at all. And you know, Andy, they were kind of forced to because he didn't have any family members around. So they had that whole thing with Lorna. Right that he developed like he got close with Lorna and that was really nice, you know, and that was at least interesting, you know, uh, that, that they had that connection. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's part of the problem with Lauren is that they never like, thought about how like she should really be making connections of her own. Yeah. Uh, Relationship never feels like it goes anywhere past, uh, walking past somebody in the hall and giving them like the up nod being like, sup right. and like that's it that's their relationship now i'm imagining her flashing games gang signs. <laughs> i mean what she was really missing was the strong male role models uh, wait nope sorry wait, that's supposed wait, to be wait. My, sorry my bad guys my bad i was about to say <laughs> all right it's one out, thing man. you can't claim the underground doesn't have um uh so angie your thoughts on lauren uh, I feel like I kind of she kind of was another whiplash character for me. And I, I know I joked last season that it was, her real superpower was um, being well adjusted, but um, I kind of right. wish she'd gone back to that. Like I don't, it, it's like when she admitted that she um, enjoyed being powerful and like destroying stuff. I was like, I, I hate to be that like that adult, but I'm like, oh sweetie, you're what seventeen? Do you know what you like? <laughs> Because it came out of nowhere, right? She'd always, even, you know, when they'd use the power in the first season, she'd pulled away immediately. She hadn't, you know, she acted like she hadn't liked it. So to have her suddenly be like, no, I really like it. It was like, uh, okay. And then I feel like that's become a trope because so many people feel like if they've got a powerful character, that's the way to go with it of like revealing they have this side of, I really like it. You know, like the first time I heard that was with the uh, the Incredible Hulk movie from like 2003, where it's like, when I lose control, I like it. And like since then, I've heard that everywhere. It's like everybody <laughs> copies that line yeah. and, and it doesn't always fit. But then she's scared of that. She's scared of herself. So then she drugs herself up and then she's like, no, but like the fate <laughs> of the world is on the line. So I've got to like, you know, buck up and handle my powers and be responsible. So she's just back where she started. I kind of don't feel like any of her journey was necessary. <laughs> I still don't understand how incompetent the Frost sisters are that they weren't able to, like, bring her... Like, they do, like... She does, like, the shared dream thing with Andy while the Frosts are, like, you know, in their minds. And, like, they still can't compel her to come. 
I'm like, why introduce that whole subplot if you're not going to do anything with it? It's just like, yeah, I kind of want to go to Andy, but, you know, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was not happy with Lauren's progression. Um, let's talk about John. You know, my biggest disappointment with John this season wasn't the moping after Blink, although that was problematic. Had the opportunity in the last episode when he runs out to keep the purifiers busy so that the rest of them can get out of the apartment building. They had the opportunity. That was the opportunity for him to have the Thunderbird costume from the comics. And for him to put it on before running out well, there. And they did not well, do it. Well, he had the war paint. <laughs> I know they had the war paint. It wasn't good enough. I was like, I'm going to do the war paint, give him the costume. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Because I was kind of on the same aspect. It's like, they had the paint. I'm like, that's it? I just Googled the costume. Y'all can show your mouse. Oh, which, which version, though? Which version, though? I don't know. It's like red and blue and thick. Yes. Fringe it's terrible. Yes, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, you know, culturally appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I showed my wife a picture of it when I was like, why did they give him the costume? And I showed her a picture and she was just like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's so primary. Um, at least uh, maybe it would have been bad just like put a feather in his ear mm. maybe that would have been bad I don't know but I support Joe's yeah. decision not to do that alright here's the thing about John for me I really liked him in the first half of this season I felt John with the weight of the world on his shoulders the people helping him run the underground were dead or gone or whatever and it was all about him and he was watching everything and he had the whole you know he had all this guilt all this you know difficulty you know Lorna had left everything and I don't know something about that I just really liked it I feel like um, Blair Redford did a really great job of selling the whole idea of this guy that felt like it was his personal fault that like everything was going wrong for you know the mutants who wanted coexistence and the whole underground and everything then when we get to mopey blink version of thunderbird uh it was just like oh god can we just end this now <laughs> i mean you know you can get captured by jace again and let him shoot you because i think that's the end of the story for you it was oh uh, it it was really painful. And the thing that made it even worse is if I hadn't read an article online, I wouldn't have even realized that Blink went anywhere. Because when I watched the episode, I thought she just collapsed and the portal closed. I didn't realize that she fell into it. Yeah. And even watching it again later, I was okay, like... I'm not alone at that then. That was really unclear in that scene that she fell into the... I thought she was behind the portal and fell on the ground and then the portal closed. So, I don't know. I Once I realized she was alive because she had fallen into the portal so she's not really dead, it was like, oh, okay, they're trying to set up that somehow he can sense that she's still alive somehow and that's why he keeps sensing her everywhere he goes and everything but it was still painful it was like yeah, they dragged that on way too but then his powers were sporadic like half the time he was like oh like i can't do it because every time i try to sense something i just sense her and then the other half of the time it's like oh but we really needed to do this for plot reasons and it's like oh okay you know <laughs> so i can do it now 
But then later, it's back to, oh, I sense Blink everywhere. It's just, I don't know what, I don't know why they did that, but it was, it was not good. <laughs> James, rebuttal? Uh no, like, not really. Like, I mean, the, I, I'm with you. Like, I thought John was, like, this really compelling character for season one with being, like, as you said, like, the leader of the mutant underground and the fact that all of this burden was kind of laid at his shoulders where, you know, this person... Right, and feeling completely un- and, like, prepared for it all. Like, you know, like, he has all this responsibility, but he doesn't think he's doing a good job. Yeah. And he doesn't know what to do and do the best he can and bad stuff keeps happening. And I thought that was great. Yeah, and then we and then yeah like we hit season two and that just kind of all goes the wayside like so much of the focus became like the relationship that him um and blink have and i just didn't care i like it just it bugged me it irritated me so much because i was i get that you're trying to create this connection guys and you're you're trying to like uh, you know, make it in in your show where it's they're they're people too. Like they're not just mutants all the time, and they're people too, and they develop relationships and feelings and thoughts and yeah, minutia. Um, you completely forget about their old girl. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just like wait, what? No, like that <laughs> dreamer who's dreamer. I, I don't remember a yeah, dreamer. Like, and, and so it was like all these issues, and it was one of the things with with John where uh, like John didn't like redeem himself to me until like the very last episode of the <laughs> the season where like suddenly like he just sucks it up. He does. He like he steps into his own once again where he's like, I'm the leader. I have to go out and do this so you guys can go and do the other thing. And I'm just going to be a total badass about it. And like, I loved that very last scene with him where it was like, you know, he comes out and yeah, he's got the war paint on and like, he just whips the tomahawk at him and then like takes on like a small <laughs> army of guys. And I was just like, I was like, okay, like, this is good. This is better. Like, could we have had more of this all season instead of like, I'm angsty and emo because this guy, like, I feel like he tried to steal my girlfriend. So I had to punch him and then he shot me with a laser blast. And now I'm just really pissy about it. And I was just like, Are you blinking? Are you blinking <laughs> right? to earn like, behind my like, back? Ah, can we just not be doing this? Um, and so like, yeah, it's the same. Like I felt it was like really distracting towards the end of the season where like he was functionally unfunctional for the team like he was just like no i can't like get past like whatever my hook and my hang up it's is. like it's like someone said martha yes oh my god yes that's why why did so you much. say that name this was my martha. and i was just like ah like i what happened to you john you used to be so good and now you're just so boring like you're just annoying me um yeah like i don't know hey, hey, he did get he did get an awesome torture scene that's true <laughs> he did get a great torture scene where it's just like here we're gonna make you listen to heavy metal because your ears are super sensitive uh i know that was oh was man like, yeah i felt so bad but, for come him. on guys like you could at least waterboard him like this is dumb um <laughs> they shot him they did shoot him <laughs> they did like and, and, like and that's, and that's the thing is like i think it did mountains about like uh again showing how how um tough his character is like as an additional part of his powers is like and as he himself says like i'm not invincible but like i can take a lot more than the average person and it's like you're taking gunshots <laughs> and walking away that's a lot more than the normal person can handle um 
But yeah, no, and I think and that's what I think was interesting though is like we get to see so much of that towards in that last scene for the last episode with him, uh, where he in his final scene where he's taking shots and it's like clear like he's bleeding, he's been shot to hell, and he's just like he's almost like down and out, and then like somehow he's just like no. Like, Erd's going to show up, and then he's going to be like, hit me, because then I can, like, blast a bunch of people. And he's just like, okay, I'll take all my final <laughs> anger out towards you and them on you. Fantastic. And they worked as a team. And I was like, cool, good job, John. <laughs> was his arc for the season is to finally be okay with Erd? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Like, uh, we got it all out. Wow. It's just all in the air now. <laughs> Angie, what do you think about John? Um, I, I really like the actor. I actually was uh, terrified the whole season they were going to kill him and bring his brother in. Or is it a brother? Who's Warpath? Is, it's his brother is Warpath in the comics, right? Warpath, yep. Anyway, this, uh, this costume is terrible, by the way. It means no. <laughs> well, if you look at the X-Force costume, it's much better. Well, that, no, but that's Warpath's costume. We're talking about Thunderbird. Anyway, it's, it's fine. Well, um, I got nothing. <laughs> I thought they were the same guy. I was actually relieved that Reed bit it instead of one. Um, but I, I I feel like this season did him a real injustice, which is everybody was on tilt this season. Absolutely everybody. And in the first season, you know, he was really solid. He was a calming presence for most people. And, you know, when people were losing it, he was the one that was kind of holding them together. And now in this season, he has this arc where he, he, I mean, you do, you feel it. He is out of his depth. He doesn't know what to do. feels totally inadequate to run the mutant underground. He feels like he's failed and he has nobody. Everybody else is just as screwed up as he is. And there is literally no one there to, to shore him up. So he's just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling with nothing to catch or mitigate it at all. And I think that was actually a big misstep for this the season. Just everybody was off their rocker. I feel like, though, that that having the underground to be at the bottom, you know, because there's that under there, there's that underdog part of it. You know, you always feel sympathy for the underdog and the, the mutant underground. They put them at the lowest possible low. Sure. And I feel like in the writer's room, they decided that was going to be awesome and they did it on purpose. I just in terms of mm -hmm. John character, I think it was a, a pretty big disservice to him. Um, hmm. it, just because, yeah, I mean, the, the whole stuff with Blink, I think taken in isolation, like that sort of stupid angst, just because I don't think if he was just feeling normal otherwise, he would have cared so much. I mean, I think the, the angst over Blink was very much a symptom of the I am losing control of literally everything. Um, but there was just no counterpoint. So it got really grating. Um, but by the end of the season, I feel like, you know, he he obviously found himself um and so we'll see where they go with it i'm glad he didn't die <laughs> so uh yeah let's talk about blink um i like they gave us a little more background on her you know they're, they're trying to go a little more the problem with blink is that her story in comics is so messed up because they introduce her originally as this very shy very timid teenager and she dies like within two issues but uh, she, everybody loved her so much that they have brought every alternate reality, alternate timeline, every like possible like, what if scenario blink into the Marvel universe at one time or another. That she's like got like a million different stories that are all totally unconnected from each other, and so you know, 
she already depicted as kind of somebody that wasn't necessarily like about the underground in the first season and she was kind of just trying to like go her own way and just wanted to be safe and so in this season they kind of gave the background on that and what had happened with her and her foster sister and everything and uh, i think this is also the one where it showed like the purifiers attacking her um you know when she was when she was younger and, and stuff like that so um Oh, no, or was that Lauren? Who, who was that? They showed somebody, like, getting attacked by purifiers when they were younger. That was Blink. That was Blink. That's right. Because um, the Lorna thing was a different flashback. That's right. That was the whole episode of Lorna flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, yeah, so so I liked getting that background on her and explaining why, you know, she might go back to that sort of idea of, I just want to be a runner. You know, I just want to like get out of situations, which made her more sympathetic to the Morlocks in execution. However, <laughs> it led us to the aforementioned, you know, John being a mopey, you know, jerk. Well, first being a jealous jerk and then being a mopey jerk. And yeah, yeah. And um, then we have the whole, by the way, I'm alive at the end of the season that, you know, they didn't go any further with. And this is why I'm afraid that they're not getting a third season, because it really seemed in that last episode like there was a whole nother scene. Because she's like, oh, come see this, you know, go through the portal with me. And then it just cuts abruptly. You know, there's no cliffhanger. There's no like, oh, let's see what's on the other side. Then like have like a and then cut. It was just like it felt very abrupt. And I'm worried that they've been canceled and that they decided, like, whatever cliffhanger they were going to do in three, that they would just, like, cut it out. You know, they just show that Blink was alive, give them a mega happy ending, and it's done. That that ending was not happy. <laughs> um, why wasn't it happy, Mike? First off, with Blink, I, uh, I really do like the character Blink. And once again, I always get her and Pixie mixed up. I don't know why. Uh, but Blink's power of teleportation, I've always liked it. Her relationship with John was... Worst to say the least, thanks, Dream. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think she would have a bigger problem with the you know the fact that she had like memories inserted into her, but I guess she was just like, ah, he's hot. That's okay. <laughs> he's commanding. And Blink when she was once yeah, she was a little bit of a struggle this this season too, trying to self-identify herself away from that away from that because she sympathized with the Morlocks and the thing that John never did, he didn't sympathize because he had a mission. He was focused and he saw that if you're a mutant and you're at least not even trying to help out, but you're trying to actually escape from that, go into your own little, own little corner of the world and try to ignore everything. You can't be Switzerland, Erg. You just can't be Switzerland. Well, here's the thing, and and see, that's the thing, you bring up, like, that could have been a really awesome, like, point-counterpoint kind of thing, another another issue to examine of, when is it okay to just get out of there, or is it, or do, or are you obligated to fight for the rights of your fellows in a situation like that? But instead, they tied it up with the whole, like, John's just really mad at Erg because, you know, he thinks Blink's sweet on him, and it's jealousy, and so he's just doing that stuff just because he's mad at Erg because of that, you know, like, like the sincerity is taken out of the statements when it's about a woman instead of really about like, Hey, this is about mutants and what mutants should be doing and, you know, stuff like that. So that's why I feel like, again, the season had an interesting thing they could have examined, but by, you know, they brought it to the lowest common denominator of let's just make this an argument about a woman. Yeah. Because the male libido is, 
It's a thing. And you respect <laughs> Okay. So, uh, so <laughs> you, I, I, I wanted to get a chuckle it from her. It is a thing. Yes, I just wanted to get a chuckle from Angie. That's all I did. <laughs> so, Blink joined with the Murlocs. And I think you're right. I think it was going back to a comfort, a comfort zone of being a runner. And even then, she found, she found much more drive. She found herself more with the Morlocks than she did with Giant because Giant and everybody, first season, they were proactive, saving mutants. Let's do it. Helping out. Second season, we are on the defense. We are on recover mode. We're all sappy as hell. I lost my girl. John, you still got yours. John, your girl gone now? Well, I manned up. You got to man up now. You don't get that kind of time to recover like I did. No, sir. And... It was just a big bucket of weirdness between within the mutant underground that honestly, I guess, Blink didn't really need anymore or didn't want to be a part of because it wasn't helping. It wasn't helping anybody. She she wanted to go out there and do stuff, but everybody was playing defense. Everybody's like, we gotta know what the inner circle's doing. It's like Well no, I, I believe her when she says that she couldn't watch John basically commit suicide. Yeah. You know, I mean I get that that was the thing. She was running from that because she didn't want to see someone that she cared about you know, die. She didn't want to be present for that. But the problem was once she was there at the Morlocks, then she was suddenly that, you know, even though I thought this would be great, it really sucks because, you know, here they're just sitting around like, oh, now we're hiding, we're hiding. And she's used to, you know, being more active and her conscience is bothering her. And she's like, we got to do more, you know? And so I thought that that at least was a, wasn't, was a logical, you know, progression for her character. Yeah, and going into the ending, like, yes, when she was there, she got shot by Jace, dick move, and the huh. portal was closing, I, and I didn't pay attention to social media because, eh, I guess I actually don't follow their Facebook page. It's weird. But mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't catch anything, so it's like, oh, no, she died. I felt that. I felt that. And <laughs> she died. I'm like, I'm there for you, John. Let's go Let's go out there and kill folks. Let's let's. Walk. War paint on because apparently I got the wrong character mixed up with this character. It's it's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like she she died, so now she's like, okay, what's another show I can be on to add to my resume? Hey, the Orville, are you hiring? You know. <laughs> and but then yeah, that ending where she just pops up. I'm like, it's like, it's like, whoa, like she's alive. Oh, cool, she's alive. Wait a minute, she looks different. She seems, she seems, what's the word I want to looking for? Um, prepared. She looks engaged. She looks ready to go. Yeah. We're going days of future past and I am, I'm out. Yeah. That, that's my suspicion also is that that was, that's the point of that is she, she fell into the future, you know, when she, when she was dying and fell into the portal rather than like going anywhere in, you know, in space. Yeah, she didn't even fall into the portal. She was just on the other side. That's not how portal works. Right. Blink. That's not how they work. You just closed one. Well, except the creator in an interview says, yeah, you saw at the end of that episode that she fell into the portal after she was shot. And I'm like, I, I still don't see that. <laughs> You're on the cutting room floor. We're on TV. What's going on, dude? <laughs> right. But bless her. But bless her heart. Though. I mean, she the uh, actress, Jamie, I uh, she she brought Blink to life and I can't. I cannot thank her enough for it because Blink is awesome. Blink is a super fan favorite, as you said before. And Jamie, she, she, I, I do like Blink. Mm. 
So, um, James, thoughts on Blink? Yeah, no, I really, I really like the character overall between both like last season, this season. Uh, season like, I, I really like this season because we get a lot more background. Um, the fact that, you know, she had kind of grown up in the foster system and things like that, mm. um, which really helped like shaped pretty much really shaped like her life as far as like how she uh, viewed a lot of things and how it impacted her. Um, so I was really glad it brought that to light because uh, I mean, that's, that's a real world uh, relatable kind of thing um, that I could have. Cause like my, 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 my own father had gone through like the foster care system and stuff and uh, it messed him up. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where I thought of all of the characters for the season Hers was probably the most compelling. Hers got the 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 best development in in a lot of different ways. Um, I hated her relationship with John, <laughs> but uh, that's been Clint's point, so <laughs> I won't really dive back into that. But it was it was just one of those where I I I did like what she said to John, where it was just like uh, you know when they have their moment after you know he gets shot in the chest by her, and he's just like. <laughs> And he's very clearly like wrapped up in this. And she's like, it's a fool's errand. Like if you're just going to run into things without thinking about it and you're just going to run into this war, like you're, you're basically just killing yourself. And I can't be with somebody who's just going to do that. Like, I, like you know, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, you make the most sense out of anybody. Like that's the most sensible thing anybody said to John this season. Um, so I, I liked that development. Uh, the end, yeah, I don't know. The end was the end of the season was just so far. With like, she shows up and clearly, like, she has all the abilities of the mutant we know in the comics, where like she, you know, she has like you know this dagger that she can like throw and it opens a portal. And I was just like, I mean, that it's cool that she had new power that we have once again jumped back to the whole like she doesn't train to do anything. Suddenly they can just do it. <laughs> um, you know, apparently she has spent some time in Future World, um, which God, like, like, where's the Barry Allen moment here? Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, no, no. In X Men, though, time travel's good because we're always destroying like horrible futures. We're not like messing up the present where everybody is pretty happy and then just like screwing it up for them, like Barry. That's did. fair. That's fair. Like, we're not creating different timelines. It's all the same timeline. We just keep fixing problems um because it makes sense sure uh but <laughs> it's one of those where i was just like okay cool and i agree with you like it just kind of ends abruptly i was like uh so like is that just is that, just, is that it like reva's gone and like we're good now and and she shows up and she's like there's some things you should see are they good things are they bad things are they neutral things i don't know i'm pretty sure something was on fire in the background <laughs> I don't think it's right. a good thing. Sunfire, <laughs> and that's why it's been think, a bonfire yeah. in Honolulu. We don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it, it it like fades to black, like it cuts as people are like walking towards the port. Again, it didn't feel like a natural ending point of the app. It felt like somebody they had more stuff filled, then they decided to cut it early. I, I feel like the episode was supposed to end with them going through the portal and seeing something probably a sentinel and i hate to say i wouldn't really be surprised especially after we have heard the new news when it's official like disney disney's acquisition of the fox media assets has gone through so i mean functionally like disney is going to be looking at how do we now take the 
uh, mutant franchise, and how do we put that into the Marvel, you know, MU whatever kind of universe that they're building? So it wouldn't, it would be saddening to me because I would really like to see a season three. But with her character, like they did so many great things. Um, as you guys said, like I mean, I think uh, she added a lot to the character. She made the character interesting. She made the character compelling. Um, Granted, she can't ever get Dragon Ball out of her resume. <laughs> she just can't. It's always going to be there, and I'm I always going to see it. Imagining Jamie Chung as Lady Macbeth. <laughs> just scrubbing God. Out, out, damn spots. Right? And so it's one of those, where, like, it's just, it's not going to go away. But this is definitely an upside on her resume. Like, it, like she's done fantastic, and she's done well by the character. And I really her through this entire yeah. season. Uh, yeah, I will say uh, Matt Nix, who who created the series, did say he had three seasons worth of plot lines right at the beginning. So that's, to me, why it would be most disappointing if they don't get a third season, is that, you know, he, he had, you know, like the plot line through that, you know. Maybe canceling it there would be, you know, fine because, you know, he might not have any more material beyond that. But, yeah, I, I wish that they, they could at least have one more season because, um, you know, that would you know tap out the story potential that that was there from the beginning but we'll see i mean i don't know anything for sure all that i know is that the ratings were way down this season a lot of people are projecting that they're you know the kind of the people who put odds on this stuff like it's unlikely that it's going to be renewed but sometimes networks make decisions that you know seem odd based on the ratings i mean people kept saying that agents of shield was going to get canceled last year and then it got renewed so um you know we'll see um, Angie, um, what do you think about Blink? I think I had the most whiplash with Blink this season, and I, it's one of those things where I do wonder if I'd binged the season, I wouldn't be so annoyed with it, but, like, I can, I can deal with characters changing their minds, I can even deal with them changing their minds for reasons that seem undeserved over the course of the story, but I cannot handle characters that sanctimonious suddenly changing their minds. You ate up that much of my screen time preaching at people and you have a glib like oops changed my mind or i was wrong and then you die <laughs> it was very frustrating um i love jimmy chung I, I mean i don't have anything like it was well acted i hated her mm. okay that's fair um marcos um I sympathized a lot with Marcos this season, even though I know he got mopey as well, but I felt like of all the characters, his mopiness was the most deserved because the love of his life took his child. <laughs> you know? And 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 he he was not allowed to see either one. And I can totally understand breaking somebody. Um you know, and I can totally understand, you know, him being in the place that he was at. And what made things worse is that when he does see them, you know, when they bring him in to, to help the baby, it's like, she's not like, hey, we're through, I don't love you or whatever. She's just like, yeah, I love you, we just can't be together, you know, like that kind of crap, which just makes it worse, you know? <laughs> it's, oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, I I already liked Marcos um, from last season because, you know, just... He just seems like a really good, you know, he was the person that did bad things, but always had a conscience that pricked him. And, you know, he he's now so intent on doing the right thing and to have him be in this situation and everything, I, I felt. Um, 
Um, so, Mike, <laughs> being the expert as you are on fatherhood, yes. Uh, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think of Marcos this season? Bart bled for him. Uh, that Marcos was probably the only one I would probably allow to cry like that. Mm-hmm. To, to be to be sad, he could have been sad to the whole damn sh- to the season. I probably would have had an issue with it, maybe sometimes. But it's like, and then it's like, boy, why are you crying? Oh yeah, you don't have a kid, and you lost your girl. You know what, dude? You sit in the corner. You have yourself <laughs> ice cream. You enjoy that ice cream, dude. I'm gonna talk to John. John, we need a man up. We got for him. Uh, Marcos was. Possibly my favorite character again in the gifted. It's he. I mean, he's God. He at least he felt so much, and he's trying to play everything back together. He he's he's trying to multi manage so much, and it's always in the back of his head that the X Men chose me for a reason. The X Men chose me for a reason. The X Men chose me for a reason. Lorna leaves. The the X Men chose me for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I I give him credit for credit as due that he never stopped loving Lorna. He, even though he all he wanted to get her back in any way, shape, or form, he did at least stick to the mission. He didn't really jeopardize much, except for the one time when he was supposed to kidnap a guy, but he said lasered him in half. You know what? You know what happens? <laughs> Just, we'll put on the oopsie. Well, to be fair, he was also shot during that, so I mean, it's kind of like, and like at that point, it's just all bets are off. You can't necessarily do kids, you know, kid yeah. gloves. Now, I mean, there was there were two yeah. moments that, and I think it was two, but I remember the one that when it was the woman who had this uh, blood, blood thing uh, in the Morlock crew, and she got shot. And Marcos was the only one to help her. Those kind of coming together like that, I was like, Marcos, what are you doing, man? Yeah, it was a little weird. They were gonna. I was a little worried that they were gonna do something there too. And I was like, we don't need the soap. We got opera with the Blink Erg John thing. We don't need like another love triangle kind of plot here. Agreed. So I'm glad that they just kind of left it as she kind of had liked Marcos, but Marcos was kind of like, yeah, I like you, but not like that. <laughs> you know, I've got somebody else. It's like. <laughs> Like, can you bend metal? I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) But Marcos is again. He's a he is a favorite. He he stuck to the mission. He 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 loved. He lost and he loved again. (laughs) And that honestly, to me, that was like the happy ending for me. The show could have literally ended with them hugging. Credits. See you next season. Okay. Okay. I. My mission's achieved. Well, they had to show Blink was alive to make it a true happy ending. That was um, not a happy ending. <laughs> that was like, why are you here? <laughs> no offense, Jamie, but why are you here? <laughs> Goku needs your help. Oh, uh, <laughs> Angie, what do you think about um, about um, Marcos? Um, I mostly agree with Mike. Uh, the one thing that I did want to point out that I just really like about him, that um, him, his interactions with Lorna really demonstrate like how you can deal with an alpha level mutant when you're not an alpha level mutant, right? Like brute power wise, she is up there with anybody else that we've seen. She could probably just overpower anybody. And how you deal with that is you convince her. And so 
um, I, I just thought their scenes were great because he he never tried to force the issue. It was always just that little needling like need to convince you. And it doesn't need like it doesn't need to be this second. I just need to get this seed in your head and make and get you back to yourself and remind you of who you are. And then you, that's the only way to overpower you, basically, which I think is great. They do it somewhat in Legion. Hello, Legion is its own monster. But I, I think that's a nice <laughs> touch. Um, I, that pun not intended, but go. <laughs> no, 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 you, no, you deserve that. <laughs> uh, yeah, lead. <laughs> Only his girlfriend is awful. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, James, what, uh, what, what do you think about Marcos? I like Marcos. Um, I think out of all the characters, he's the most consistent uh, like, I don't usually find myself being like, why are you countermanding yourself all the <laughs> time? Um, or, or even a lot of the time, um, which we do see in a lot of the other characters, especially as we've all kind of discussed and pointed out, like a lot of the characters are doing the opposite of exactly what kind of character they were from season one in a lot of different fashions, whether it's good or bad. And I think Marcos is consistent in his convictions. Like he's yeah. very straightforward about like, he cares about the people he loves. He cares deeply about them. He's dedicated. He's loyal to them and he will do whatever it takes. And as soon as that's interrupted, like he's a very conflicted individual about that specific relationship. It doesn't really seem to impact his other relationships. The other great thing about Marcos is that he doesn't let the sadness that he's feeling keep him from doing what he right. So like when they have to go help some mutants or something, he gets in the car, you know, he might've just been crying, but it's like, all right, we got to do something. We got to save yeah. some people. Yeah. And I'm there. Well, yeah, it's like it. that moment where it's like, it's like, you know, Lorna tells him, you know, it's just like, like I've, I've sent our child safe and like he's clearly like really pissed and then like five minutes later somebody's like hey so there's like a thing we gotta do and he's just like i'm not crying you're crying let's do it and like just does and it i when lorna said that though i flashed back willow i will send her to a realm where evil cannot harm her <laughs> well, no such place exists right, right? And, and, and yeah i just <laughs> and i do i just empathize with him so much because like he's going he's going through probably more real than like everybody else <laughs> at most times where it's just like like i've got a kid right that i can't have a life with because my ex decided without being with me that she's doing this thing to keep her safe. And I know that she's keeping her safe, but I'm still really pissed about it because I would have liked to have been at the very least. I would have liked it if she like asked. I don't know. That would have been good. Um, but yeah, like everybody else seems to get so wrapped up in like their own personal crap that, you know, as we see with John, it's just like he's wrapped up in his personal crap with Clarice when she's gone that he's like, he's unfunctional. Like, I can't go do things. I can't save some people. That's not possible right now. Yeah, I think Marcos is the most human character out of everybody, including Caitlyn. <laughs> Because yeah, even well, though he's he, got mutant powers, the way he behaves and the way that he acts, he's very much like a regular guy. Right. Well, know? and he like and he owns all of his past. Like mm -hmm. you see these other characters where they don't necessarily own their past, where they're, they're where they're just like, no, it's just a part of me. But they don't just own it. And like he is. He's just, I did some bad. Shit. It wasn't always good, but I did it because 
it was a means to an end. And he just owns that. And I love it every single time. Like, it ever comes well, up. Well, and that's the thing. And that's why he's not suitable for the inner circle. Because even though he wants to be with Lorna, even brings that up, why don't you just let me come? And she's like, Marcos, you would never be cool with it. Because you've already done this kind of thing. You've already done dark stuff. Right. And, and you couldn't handle it. You know, and you couldn't, you know, he his conscience won't let him be like that. So he would eventually rebel against the inner circle though so, you know it's great that you know his character is 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 well defined enough yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> that they can do things like that and basically be like we already know how this is gonna go so let's not do like three or four episodes of you hanging out here only to have you like i can't take it you know <laughs> so yeah well yeah. And that's the, and that's the thing is if 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 they do end up with a season three like i don't want anything to change about him like like nope let that character mm -hmm. just keep on keeping on the way he is because he's great yeah, I feel like if they do, if they're doing a Days of Future Past thing, they're going to see, like, their daughter all grown up. And that'll be part of that. But anyway, we'll see. I mean, I'm... Uh... Ooh, man. <laughs> Angie, you said that you needed a, a sighing quota, but that's the first one I've heard. Oh, really? Yeah. I gotta be louder. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that new mic. Sighing inside, not in the direction. <laughs> Um, so Andy, I've, I've been kind of saving up, Andy. I, oh God, Andy. Oh, uh, too early to sigh again. <laughs> he, he, well, first of all, he looks ridiculous, which we already said. Um, he, uh, see, I feel like Andy was another like character that like jumped all over the place because it's like, okay, he decided he was cool. You know, Lorna already showed. She took down that plane, and he was like, you know what? That's the way Lorna's going. I'm cool with that. That's what I want to be. And that's like, okay. And so everything see with him at the inner circle. In fact, even Lorna starts becoming horrified at Andy's, you know, sort of – because Lorna's conflicted, you know. You, you kind of get the impression that maybe when she took down the plane, she was in a manic phase or something because, you know. She is bipolar, and she's got you know swings and whatever, and and even but but she she kind of convinces herself that the ends justify the means, and it's okay. She keeps doing it, but you can tell throughout this whole season that she's questioning what's going on, but she just feels like okay, the ends justify the means until Marco shows her that Riva you know is is selling out mutants. Um, mm -hmm. But Andy is totally cool with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurt people? Yes, I am so there. Until he kills his girlfriend accidentally. You know, then it's just kind of like, then, I, I don't know. It's like, but then even then, he's still cool with hurting people and everything else. But then suddenly it's just like, oh, but, you know, Lauren is leaving and Dad says I should get home. Okay, everything's cool now and I'm part of the family again and it's great. Because, like, I felt like the upward they help them um, save John. You know, like we saw that, yes, this family is never going to get back together because they even saw when he's just snapping the purifiers, you know, just snapping bones like willy nilly that like, oh, my God, my son is a monster. And you get that look of horror in their faces as they see what Andy has become. And then, you know, Andy's even like fine whatever you know and leaves but then we go right back to the whole like oh come home son come home and i don't know i just felt like his path like he should have stayed on the reva side even after reva was dead and he should be like the next part of the next group of mutants that are about you know uh mm -hmm. you know or that are militant basically and i felt like his whole redemption was like a complete 
I, I mean, just again, to just force a happy ending onto the end of the season that I didn't really care for. Um, now, don't forget. Don't forget the reasoning. Andy comes in. I've killed people. Here comes mom and dad. It's okay. We've killed people, too. I, right, yeah. We've killed people, too. So it's okay. But the problem, because the problem is, when they killed people, when the parents killed people, it was either in self-defense or trying to help, you know, somebody who was in danger or whatever. They didn't just kill people. Andy kills people who are on the ground incapacitated, you know, like, or he's snapping their bones and crap. He, that's like, that's like a sick individual, right? That's not like, oh, like, you know, I'm trying to help people for a greater purpose or whatever. This is a sadist. Hey, 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 you know what? <laughs> you know what? I, I think I figured out. Andy did all this because he didn't listen to the music box. <laughs> He needs exactly. to learn German. Then he'll learn control. Yeah. The whole thing with the girlfriend who was also, you know. Who? Come on. <laughs> who can relate, right? Who can oh. relate? We've all had it. Oh, God. I mean, well, the whole thing is because the whole time I'm snickering because I'm like, he's like totally cool with her because it's like he just wants to get some, right? You know, it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, it was just, oh, it's painful. It was painful. Uh, all right, so Angie, what do you think about Andy? You can sigh more. I, I feel really weird about that you put me in a position where I need to defend him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing about Andy. Andy acts, I think, like a freaking teenager. He, just like in the first season, I didn't enjoy watching it, but in terms of realism, I thought it was a very realistic portrayal of a teenager who was bullied, became a bully, gotten way over their head, doesn't really know, like, the, they don't really know who to make roles out of, right? And he's just reacting. And in terms of, like, when they went to go rescue John and he was he was messing up the, the purifier, he stopped, right? He saw the look, like, he reacted to his family's horror. And, yeah, he still went back to the inner circle, but... I think up until that point, he'd been with the inner circle and they were encouraging that behavior. And they are the adults. He's the kid. So he's learning, some, he's having this right. violence and this mentally normalized for him. But when he sees his family and how horrified they are, it gives him pause. And and he's he is a teenager and he, he was bullied, is now a bully, doesn't want to admit weakness. Like, his actions are very real. And so I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for anything that he does. I could have done with watching like 50% less of it. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think the portrayal was very realistic and it's the flopping I actually buy because he's a 17 year old boy. <laughs> see, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't give people a pass because I mean, you're still, you're still able to make your own decision. I mean, just Kendra doesn't mean you don't make your own decisions. I, 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 yeah. You know right from wrong at that age, you know? Especially he's a late teen. I mean, it's not like he's, like, a five-year-old that, like, doesn't know that he's hurting people if he suddenly had powers and was doing the, the stuff. adults don't necessarily know right from wrong in this series, though. No, well, I mean, they know right from wrong. They've just chosen to do wrong. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, yeah, because they believe the ends by the means, um, but I don't know. I feel like Andy is a sadist and a sociopath, um, one one step better off than, than the girlfriend, 
Um, but I don't know. Um, so, uh, James, what do you think about Andy? I felt like, God, uh, so I felt like he got his Edward Cullen on really well. Um, <laughs> he had that very like sullen mopey teenager. And I agree with Angie's assessment. Like he was very much like angsty teenager. Um, but yeah, no, his hair sucked, uh, which is what I think most teenagers <laughs> so these days. Ridiculous. So if you're a teenager listening to this, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I, I, I felt like they weren't, they were trying to figure out exactly what to do with his character. Like they knew, they knew what they wanted him to be, which was his position within um, and everything, you know, like he's the powerhouse and he's obviously like a very powerful mutant and like really honing his abilities. And I did enjoy seeing like the different scenes where, you know, they're doing the training with him to like make him stronger and make him be able to be more destructive. Um, it's not that there was anything more special about his destructiveness, just more destructive. Um, which was interesting because right. it's like you see his sister like be able to like figure out, oh, I can use my ability in like these multitudes of ways. And like him, it's like, no, nah, so I destroyed that wall and now that wall's tougher. So now I'm going to destroy that wall. And now that I can destroy that wall, <laughs> I can destroy another tougher wall. So it's just like, it's kind of the Goku syndrome. It's, it's the Dragon Ball Z method of powering exactly. up. It's just like, I just keep being more powerful. Um, which was like whatever I don't know. <laughs> so I I just I I felt like as far as arc goes, they just didn't have an exact path. It was like okay, we'll give him a love interest, but she's crazy, and then he accidentally kills her. And we'd like and and the thing is, there's so much they could have done that done with that, where it's like he accidentally kills her and like loses it, and so we have this like small arc where like he's trying to like really come back to himself. And be a much more normalized individual um, and get over that grief. And, like, it's just kind of, I don't know, it, you blink and you miss it kind of moment where it's just like, nope, she dead. I'm sad, but I'm okay now. And well, that's I, the I, thing. You never get the impression he's sad for anything else bad that he's done. The only thing he regrets is that he killed the girl. Yeah. That's the only thing he regrets. Right. <laughs> And so it's just like, uh, okay, sure. And then there's the constant, like, my family wants me to come back, and I kind of miss them, but now really. you guys give me cool video games and stuff, and they're slumming it, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, there's and just look at weird... all the ladies around me. Yeah, like, there's just all these weird juxtapositions that I was just like, are you guys trying to go for his character? Like, what, do you, what, what are you trying to build on for him? beyond i just get more powerful um and i just didn't feel like they really found a stride with andy that worked really well and so i i agree with you i think it would have been much more interesting for him to become the new big bad to replace reva and be like no like i'm indoctrinated i believe in this and it is what it is and like f my family like that would have been very interesting well I, yeah and i thought that that was going to be like the 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 switch this season because in the beginning it's andy who's feeling a little wishy-washy he's kind of like oh i kind of want to call my parents kind of miss them and lorna's the one like no no we got to do this we got to right. create the mutant nation whatever and i thought the flip-flop was going to be like they convinced lorna but that's because lorna you know always had a conscience yeah but andy's the one that's going to go further that direction because 
you know, and especially with the way that they've gotten the whole like power thing going with Lauren and Andy, you want them to be on opposite sides because if they're ever together, they're just going to obliterate whatever gets them. So I always felt like Andy should be like, yeah, it makes sense to split them up. Right. And it's, it's a constant thing that they're bringing up in this, in, in the series where it's like the Von Struckers, the Von Struckers and like up to the, see them and their total like capacity for destruction. But after that, like, once they separate, we never really strike, like, they're never really striking as, like, really dangerous people. Like, they're they're just mutants like everybody else. And so it would have been, I, I think, more compelling to see him put in a... He really adopts that kind of, like, older Von Strucker, like, no, like, we, the our, our family were purists and we believed in this kind of thing. Like, that would have been very interesting to go down, especially seeing his sister, like, kind of step away from, like, her music box addiction um, and just become you know, a, a much more like satiated individual who was just like, nope, like I've developed my powers and I'm good with it. And I could, and, and like, cause she always seemed very on the fence over Andy where she was like, nah, he went away. I don't care. So it was, just, I don't know. Like I, yeah, I'm just very lost with what they wanted to do with the character. I know what they did and what the ultimate goal seemed to be, but it was just like, eh, okay, sure. He's, he's just kind of emo and, whatever <laughs> you know when we mentioned andy with dragon ball z it just had me think of like for the whole season andy's just like hunched down in a room somewhere going and then they like cut there for like five seconds every episode and then do other stuff end of the season we cut back to andy and like the whole world shatters yeah like a standard dragon ball episode. Season. <laughs> right? <laughs> we, spent, we spent 16 episodes with him just powering up four episodes of dialogue and last episode he destroys a bunch of things <laughs> he destroys the whole world. Um, Mike, what did you think about Andy? Teenage problem, doing teenage things. God, he needs to get laid. <laughs> yeah, at first when the girl seemed sweet, I wondered if that was going to be like where they went with it. <laughs> and I will defend the crazy bride. She was cute. She was cute. Oh God, male libido is a thing. Um, but that level, that level of cuteness did not require that level right. of hostility. <laughs> like in the, oh my God, and you know they say love is blind. Love is also not covered in blood in a full f- room that your girlfriend just basically squished everybody in. Yeah, what? At that moment, Reva should have blew her head off with her loud voice. Because I even got rid of her boo. It's like, we weren't supposed to do this. This was like the, the turn with Reva. It's like, what happens if that guy would have actually stayed alive? Would this be the Reva that would have went through the purifiers and do all this bad shit? Would that be the same Reva if that guy was alive? Well, no, because that was a long-term plan. She had already been working with the purifier. When they flashed back, it was the two years ago when she established that guy as the leader of the purifiers. So, yeah. But but we saw the humanity in her. No, well, she she liked the guy, but she wasn't that broken up. What she did. she didn't like that he died because she did want to leave him alive. But I don't think that she like was that broken up about it. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, I wish it had gone another way. But what she saw was that there was an extremely powerful mutant that was completely uncontrollable, and that's why she was like, yeah, we gotta do something about her. And we yeah. and we did. Yeah. <laughs> um. Lorna. Um, I've saved Lorna because I love Lorna. <laughs> um, 
she discovered a new mutant power this season, which is to go back to her original weight after having a baby within like a day. Leave it alone. <laughs> I just had to throw that one in there. She felt great. The pregnancy was the best. I'm sorry, what, what, Angie? Nothing. I don't forgive her for the line about, like, I feel better than I've ever felt. Shut oh, up. right. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but no, seriously, I, I, I absolutely I, I adore Lorna. I, I love that they've made her goth. Um, that's, the, that's the appropriate way to go. She's, they took a character that was already super hot and just made her hotter. Um, but uh, um, I, I like the whole. I, I liked a lot of what they did with Lorna. For whatever reason, they 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 can't mention you know anyone by name. Like, so it has to be like your father. Your father. Magneto or anything like that, but, you know, your father. I like that we had the flashbacks to her life and, you know, how, you know, she has no... I felt like her whole arc about not fitting in and everything, like, and, and how she's different from everybody, I felt it was better than anyone else's. Um, and I I liked the story. I liked how she, like, started owning her identity as Magneto's daughter. I like that she fashioned like the I will have an evil you know <laughs> just like that. You know, <laughs> just all that stuff. I I I I and I I like that they went with the idea of even though like she acted like she was totally committed in the first season, I felt like this was also an okay change because established that she's bipolar. And so I felt like, you know, that you know, the fact that she's changed her mind and that she might be in a different place now was, you know, acceptable, you know, plot wise. And I totally get the idea of she was cool with it for her child to do whatever horrible thing she had to do until she found out that Reva, you know, had built this whole thing on just a pack of lies. Because if she was willing to create the problems in the first place, that would cause the spark to create the separate mutant nation, then, you know, this was not the person that you want creating that, you know, that, that utopia that, that, that she promised. So I liked all of that. I thought it made sense. I liked the progression. I liked her really, I love her relationship with Marcos. Um, you know, I think that they, they're interesting together. Um, and, and I like the point you brought out, Angie, because I never thought of it before about her being so much more powerful than he is. Um, and the, and the dynamic that that adds to their relationship. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that they're really good. And the fact that she knew him well enough. You know, because like all the other relationships we see in this, it's like everybody's like, I don't understand why you're acting this way and you're acting so strange. But like Lorda knew him well. Like, look, I know you want to be with me, you know, uh, but there's no way you could ever be here. Because we know, you know. You, you were a killer for the mob and you couldn't take it. You can't be a killer for the, you know, for mutants either. You, you're, you'll just, you know, you, you'll, you'll want that. Um, so I like that. And I like that they know each other that well. And it was a, it was a sweet relationship, even though for half of it, Lorna was keeping him from his kid and, and was staying away from him. So I, I liked all that. So Angie, what do you think about Lorna? Um, I am a little conflicted about Lorna. I thought a lot of the thing, the decisions that she made um, were really kind of manipulative and, and terrible. I mean, it, unilaterally making decisions about their kid. Well, and, yes. And leaving, but, but also not making it a clean break, which I think is just unbelievably selfish, right? I made the decision. I left, but also I'm going to randomly kiss you. I'm also going to tell you that, like, of course, we love each other. But it just can't be. Like, you... 
if she was really that committed, she should have made a clean break. However, that said... But I don't think she was that committed. That's the thing. No, she, she was. Yeah. I, I get the impression that she... This season, she was kind of immense. Like, she destroyed that plane. Marcos told her not to do it. He begged her not to do it. Um, mm. And she did it anyway and regretted it. And I think at that point, she decided she was going to commit to this cause that was bigger than her that could actually succeed and kind of, like, make it up to her kid, almost. Make it up to everybody, basically. Like, I did this terrible thing. I made this mistake. I regret it. I'm going to turn that into something positive. And I'm willing to, like, be the bad guy. And that makes me feel closer to my absent dad because that's what he was doing. He was being right. And I think by the end, she kind of realized that all of that was just kind of like bull justification to herself, um, like rationalization. I loved the scene where she like she got upset with him and she was like, you don't get to walk away from this because I screwed up. <laughs> I just I love the scene um, and I do like them <laughs> together. I just a lot of the time I feel like she's not really good enough for him. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I feel like in real relations are messy like that, too. You know, that they don't, they, I don't know. She's got, she has some, she has some things to make up for, like, now that they're basically back together. Like, she's got some stuff to, to do to rebuild trust and stuff, but, you know, we haven't got there yet. Sure. Um, Mike, thoughts on Lorna? I would marry her. <laughs> I would put a ring on it. <laughs> Lorna, so, your wife? So, no, I. I am an adult, sir. I'm an adult. <laughs> she, um, Lorna, was actually my favorite character in the comics because she was that absent or side daughter, I guess, of Magneto, that one that no one really talks about. <laughs> well, they couldn't decide. Like, all through the 90s, it was like, is she Magneto's daughter? Is it just a, right? just a coincidence that she actually has <laughs> magnetic powers? And Because originally everybody thought she was Magneto's daughter, but then it was like, no, you're not. But then you are. Oh, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, that got way too it stupid. It did, but then with... they finally confirmed it that she was, yeah. and, and I completely, completely loved it. Uh, and, like, the green hair was awesome that was like my biggest complaint see one it's like you give me a strand of green hair how dare you you go full girl no, they, did, they did it pretty early she washed the black dye out of her hair and then it was green so it was okay yeah, yeah i'm like okay i like this now and but lorna as a character is it, it's awesome because we we know she has this magnetism we know where she we know where she got it from but it's she she shows she does show kind of restraint when she uses it, knowing what she can do. That plane, I think that was the first time that she knew how powerful she really was, how scary it was, and the loss of life that it weighed upon her. She could still do like some evil stuff, but she really did a lot of killing. Yeah, or at least out went out and about and did it because she was locked up like a Rapunzel, but. Like, that was, like, awesome and scary. And taking the child away, taking Aurora away and, and hiding her was, was – I felt for Marco – I felt Marcos again. I felt for her as well because that was, like, a tough decision to make and probably bad, probably wrong. It's not my decision. I'm not in that marriage. Okay. It is definitely a wrong decision to hide a child from the, the father. The father is not abusive. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's the only time that's justified. Yeah, but I mean, it's for the safety of the child because she realized Reva, ah, she's going a little cray cray. She's right. cray cray and true. I mean, it, like that whole situation is like, oh my god, I can't. I I rather watch it than ever have to live that life. Like, oh my no. god. So so I mean, I felt for her as much as I could, but just Lorna just. Realizing she made a mistake, having to have that talk with Andy, there were so many times I was like, "We need to go." Like Lorna, we need to go. It's like, don't no, don't sigh, don't look back, <laughs> don't sit on the bed with him, don't talk, to girl. We got. <laughs> but she stayed. She did the she did the right thing, and and she brought Andy back. So yay! And then they. Her and Marco's hug, they the lights shined again. The Yatsu, you know, the love is real. <laughs> that was that was my happy ending. That was like I said, that was my happy ending. That could have just ended the show. Next season we could have gone through everything, more purifier stuff, but who cares? I got my uh, the back. Sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> but I do like the the one flashback. When, because we were in this episode where Lorna was trying to figure out what to do, trying to trying to understand she made a mistake by joining Riva, and the fact of her, Marcos, and John in the bar, and they came together. It was mm. the Three Musketeers, and that seems like so powerful for me. It's like Lorna is a team player, and she really did know that she made she she made a promise. And here comes the last episode. John's grieving on the rooftop, like. You know, Batman, and everybody's <laughs> everybody's coming in to give their condolences. My, I actually got some tears when I saw Lorna walk up. It's like, girl, you you gonna handshake? John comes up with a hug. I'm like, oh, John knows you're his girl. That's 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 friendship, love, friendship. This episode was amazing, except for Blink. Why'd you do that, girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, poor John. I mean, when you think about it, like all the other people from the underground, even the ones that like separated out to go to safer places, they are all dead. <laughs> it's like it's just the three of them are all that's like you know the original crew. It's like just just those three. <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, and the dog. The dog survived, yes. which I'm very happy about. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a nice attention to detail because that's the thing. And the, when they fled, you know, in the first season, I'm like, did the dog get out? <laughs> <sighs> um, James, what do you think about Lorna? I want to know how her hair went from really long at the beginning of the season to suddenly shoulder length short. She cut it. That's, oh, between scenes. <laughs> there's one of those where it's just like, oh, her hair's really <laughs> long suddenly, and then like within like an episode, it's like, oh no, wait, it's short. I don't. Well, uh, they helped okay. me out with this, James. I found out that when you're pregnant. You hair apparently <laughs> you have the baby then you lose the hair <laughs> she was she that's pre-game right there that's respect right right no um i don't know like i, I learned all sorts of crazy things like you also lose your memory when you have a baby yeah that it sucks yeah yeah my service manager at my job uh is currently going through that and it's kind of hilarious because i uh I'm really having to resist messing with her and just being like, no, like said this thing. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it's like, I don't know. Like uh, there, there were definitely moments where I didn't feel like Lorna was the best. I'm really glad that like, by the end, she's like, come back to her senses of like, okay, I believe in like what they wanted, 
like terms of the like like the crux of what they wanted um you know like mutant kind like we have rights we're people uh etc etc but the means uh, i don't really agree with that anymore so i'm really glad that she's like come around to that um as character but yeah i i kind of agree like i just i don't know i didn't like her arc with marcos like it was very bipolar on so many levels <laughs> but see that's fitting she has bipolar disorder and she's magnetic i think part of the problem though is like they haven't re- like like is <laughs> that might be a comic book thing they haven't really shown any reason to represent that in the show and they ha- and if they are i don't think they've done it in a very constructive way a way that like it's really obvious by any means which would be great if they did because it'd be like oh cool ableism that's a thing that we're doing now where we actually show like people who suffer like from these kinds of problems and Mm. stuff but they haven't really gone down that route i agree i mean it's something that they kind of mentioned in the first season but they haven't done a really great job of like depicting you know her going through it it's just kind of like it's there um but I mean, I think as far as her arc and like, I don't know, I, I, I would have liked to have more things happen with her with like her powers beyond like, ooh, I took down an airplane, which in and of itself is quite the feat. But like after that, it's very melancholy, I felt around like her abilities and like she can do. And I would have liked a lot more, I think, in discovering um more about the capacity of like what she can do because again like they bring her on because they're like you're like royalty um because of who your father is we won't mention it hint hint wink wink Uh, (laughs) so it's just like oh okay cool guess that's what we do uh so i don't know i was just lorna was one of the characters in this whole season that i just i didn't connect with in any way shape or form i like she was just kind of a warm body that was there and i was just like okay like she, yeah. she pissed off marco she pissed off my boy <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> so um we're we're going really long here so i'm just gonna combine the last three and then we're gonna do our guys with predictions for the end of the season or for next season um so um any thoughts on Erg, Esme, and um, and Jace? A little bit about Jace, but I don't know if everybody got out everything they wanted to say. So, um, James, let's start with you. Uh, anything you want to say about those three? Uh, Esme, uh, I liked the arc that they went with her in terms of, like, one of them is kind of this individuality where, like, she wanted to separate away from her sisters. She didn't really find the conviction of, like, what they were doing. Again, she kind of like Lorna, like, she had the belief of, like, what the end goal was, but, like, wasn't with the means of how to get there. Um, So I really liked uh, where her character ended up by the end where she's now on the out, which makes the question of, like, are the sisters still, like, well and good? Are they alive? Are they going to be a problem? Um, Erg, I thought Erg was a really interesting and kind of compelling character in the sense of what he was after, where he was just like, uh, we don't really want to be involved. If you guys could not involve us, that'd be great. And then everybody just kept involving them. And so he's like, I don't want it. Um, so I, I did, but I did like his character. I, I respected like the means of what he wanted, which was, you know, I just want pe- I want my people to be safe. Um, and to be able to have their individualities they are and to have their own acceptance of what they are. I thought like his message was really strong. Um, mm. So I did like that. Who was the last guy character? Um, yeah. Jace, Agent Turner. Yeah, Jace. So he's uh, I don't 
I don't know how to feel about Jace. He consistently angry, I think, uh, because, <laughs> again, as we said, like he has these moments where it's just like his I, I get where he's coming from. Like, you know, being in those shoes, like if you put yourself mentally in that position where it's like my kid, my kid dies of like a mutant event. Yeah, I'd be angry at the mutants. And like uh, I, I, I can understand like his justification um, for what he's trying to accomplish and like i got him in sentinel services and then like this season is just so bizarre because he's part of a hate group but he doesn't think it's a hate group because self-denial that it's a hate group but it is a hate group and he has these moments where he's like coming around to that and he's like i like you feel like he's like i think i might be part of a hate group (laughs) um and then then he something happens where somebody's like yeah but there's a thing that threatens this nation and he's like oh Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go do my duty then. Okay. Sure. Um, and he just like blows past it. So he's kind of a frustrating character and I'm just like, could, I, I don't know. I just, like, could you make up your mind about what you are? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Mike, what do you think about Esme, uh, agent Turner and Erg? Uh, Esme, she was a great character development, especially coming from the frost sisters of, what was it originally five or seven mm, of them? There were five of them. Yeah, there were first off, knowing that there were five, I'm not sure if that was a TV show thing or if that was a comic book thing. I only knew about the three. So it deepened the connection between the triplets and Esme Esme's growth because Esme was the one who was out in the real world trying to free the other two. The other two had resentment. And I completely understand those two. They're on the same board because they were locked up. Esme was well on the outside. She had a chance of free thinking and trying to have that free thinking and then go back into a triplet setting where now we have to share of all this. She has a little bit more life experience now that the other didn't. Uh, And I absolutely loved her character development, her growth. And now that she's by herself, I do think the other two are dead. Hashtag rip, hashtag sister life. Uh, (laughs) And... So I want. I hope we get to see more of her and see what she can do by herself with her own ability. Uh, Erg uh, was like a cheap ass. Uh, what's his name? Bishop. Cheap ass bishop. Uh, uh, Erg is actually from the comics. Really? Yes. Huh. Well, cheap ass bishop. Uh, Morlock from the comics. He's not the leader of the Morlocks. I I was a little annoyed that they that they got rid of Callisto Dude. because it's like the leader of the Morlocks is a woman, you know, right? and it felt like I, uh, you know, like, you know, taking a strong female role out, you know. But yeah, Erg Ergism Ergism or Morlock. Okay, I'm still gonna call him a cheap ass. Especially. He's white in the comics. That's the only <laughs> difference. But you know, there, there's the tricks. Like we can't go put a female in there. We'll put a black guy. Okay. so erg i didn't really have much feeling towards him i i felt the morlocks didn't have enough show of force they were just and and maybe that's and and even saying that i'm pretty sure erg could be behind me going like we We did our job you didn't notice we were here you didn't care we were here we didn't want (laughs) to be here but you didn't recognize us cool deal job accomplished guys we can go back to the sewers uh so I don't have much feelings for Erg. Turner? Jace? Brother? Oh, my God. He should get an Oscar. He should get an Oscar. It's like Black Klansman, but for TV. Oh it's, it's like, what are we, what's going on right now? It's like, how can you – there is so much just for season one. Season one, his wife's like, do, like, do you realize – Do you like, 
what are you doing in the name of our daughter? Fast forward to season two. What are you doing in the name of your Look around you. And you're black. Oh, it makes it even worse. It makes it worse. It was fun watching this downward spiral of Jace. And the actor, uh, I give him many props for this character. And hope he doesn't get like too much harshness to it. He did a well enough job. And... Jace Turner, every time I see him on screen, I keep hoping you're going to be the guy that's going to turn, join the mutant underground. How badass they are. Nope. No, you are headstrong on killing them. Okay. You want revenge for your daughter? You are. This is your job now. Okay. I. There is no saving grace for you, sir. And may God have mercy on your soul. I, I, I almost think that they cast... Um, Kobe Bell, Jace Turner, because they knew that he would, that we would feel like sympathetic towards him, and that they wanted to show the sort of slippery slope of, you know, a guy who just seems like an ordinary person can turn. You know, that you can find out that people that you've known for a long time have like deeply like racist feelings, or because of something that's happened like this. I mean, you know, it's the same thing of, oh, you know, like someone who's a Muslim, like, you know, killed somebody that I know, so therefore I don't Muslim you know, I mean it's one of those kinds of things of people going down those kinds of paths, you know, when someone close to them is hurt or or whatever. And so, um Yeah. You know, I mean that's kind of what happened here, you know. I mean Jace you know, and Kobe Bells does such a good job being a likable guy, but we watched the descent and we're kind of dragged along with it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the purpose of it. I think we're supposed to like him and then be horrified by, you know, what he does. Yeah, he he did such a great job with him. like I me mean, really more more props to him as an actor. He he played this character very well. Um, and Angie, uh, Erg, Esme and uh, Jace. Uh, if Jace went away, I wouldn't be sad. No. Yeah. Uh, if Erg went away, I wouldn't be sad. Yeah, after this season, I definitely wouldn't. If Esme went away, I wouldn't be sad. <laughs> I, I, I'm being it's problematic and interesting to me. Okay. In that her power is as close to, like, actually evil as I think any of them have been. Um, just controlling people's minds in general freaks me right out. Um, and I don't get, and I don't like that the power exists. Um, unfortunately I, mm-hmm. I found her most likable for the snark of the triplets. So now that there's only one, we'll see how much snark there is. Her just seemed like a weirdly placed love triangle. <laughs> like I had the whole scene where, like Blink walks in and he has his shirt off and she gets all like freaked out and embarrassed and mm-hmm. turns away because a guy has his shirt off. It was real weird. I didn't see it and I I think the show is kind of trying to force it. Um, other than that, he, had, he he was one of the least developed characters I think over the season and the actor did fine with it, but I just didn't think he had a lot to do. So yeah. if those three go away next season, I'm okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Jace, I think I've something to say about Jace. Um, but yeah, I feel like at, at now that, you know, with, with how his character went this season, I don't really know where they can go with it next season unless they do have some sort of redemption arc for him, but I don't even know how that would ever feel. You know, um, so I, I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, what, what they can do with him. Um, he helps out a mutant, he helps out a mutant soup kitchen. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but why and why the change and all that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't feel like it would feel fitting. It, it, it... I think it would be the Morlock thing. I think I think the Morlock thing hit him pretty hard as soon as he found out it was not a terrorist group. It was children. It was a child. He almost shot and killed. The mutant killed his kid. He was about to kill a mutant's kid. Right. He's okay the, with shooting I, I adults. I'm fine if they started him down that path after that happened. They, they didn't. He was still, you know, purif- you know, purifier guy. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I didn't see. He had the moment of, there were kids down there. And he looked up. But then, oh, well. Oh, there's more mutants to hunt. Okay, let's go. You know, I mean, it was like that remorse, like, evaporated so quickly. So, yeah, I don't. Agreed. I definitely think that season three, if they do make Chase a mutant sympathizer now, they're going to need like a good episode of or a good conversation starter with Jace to actually explain that why he made this turn. Because we're going <laughs> to need it more and not have to just guess, do guesswork. On they it. hand him a pamphlet. So hating <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> pamphlets are powerful. Okay? Oh man. Um Esme, I, I like the idea of the fact that these three have like a gestalt mind. You know, that they can merge together. But that since it's by herself now she's different. like the other two, like they're they've experienced all the same things together throughout their life, so their minds are like in completely synchronized and that hers isn't. I don't believe the other two are dead. Because she said something to take care of them, but we only see her with the with the underground people at the end. So I think she's split from the other two, but I think the other two are still around. And there is a brief so I think moment they... when they're laying on the ground. You see yeah, one of hand. their hands move. Yeah. Right. That was the handshake of goodbye. <laughs> I think she's broken off from them, so she'll do, you know gain more independence. But the, I think they they would they're still around. Um, erg. Um, I, again, I like the idea of locks, and I like the fact that they're putting in that other voice. I feel like they're shying away from a more interesting conversation, like I already said, about, you know, when you're in that kind of situation, is it acceptable to do what they're doing? Is that cowardice, or is that just, you know, just logic? Does it just make sense that this is the best way to protect yourselves? Or are you, are you responsible? Do you have a moral responsibility to help the others who are suffering? And and they never there. Um, oh, I guess the only other thing I'm going to say about Esme. Esme, telepathy. There there are certain powers. Telepathy is one of them. Time travel is another one. Those are the things that I feel like they should ratchet up a little bit to show why ordinary people are afraid of mutants. Because there are those certain powers that it's like... Because like with telepathy, when you're not even sure that what you've decided is really what you've decided, and when all of your secrets can be like easily taken by somebody, I can understand fear of that. I can understand why people would be freaked out by it and wouldn't want it around. You know, wouldn't want that power to be in existence. Time travel is another one. Anyone with the power to travel through time is super duper dangerous. And I can understand, like, like fear of that. And that's what makes X-Men storytelling so compelling, I think, is because you have, you know, that, that sort of thing of the, the humans who are afraid of mutants, you can, you can understand in some cases, you know, why people are afraid. And I feel like they should have put more of that in there of people, you know of why people can get scared, you know, and why people might, 
you know, fear of mutants. Quite different a little bit than than any civil rights, you know, activism that's occurred in our world because people don't have special powers. They might have, you know, power of society, but they don't have, like, the ability to just go in and vaporize, like, a room full of people, you know? <laughs> so, um one of the things they've always found really interesting about the the mutant series so um and maybe if there's a third season maybe they'll go that route and they'll show more of that and and get more of that you know kind of you know insight into what happen um but uh we'll see um so yeah let's uh to wrap things out since we are going long do you want a season three? Oh, first of all is this a series that you would like or that you, uh, you would recommend to somebody or, and um, assuming that, yes, uh, what would you like to see in a season three? So um, James, let's start with you. Um, do I want a season three? Um, I mean, if they get back to like core character things for certain characters, yes. If we're going to keep going on this like diatribe where like we're trying new things that like don't make sense or are kind of out in left field for these characters um, and they don't really find themselves like we're still like if we get to season three and people are still trying to like discover themselves. Um, no, I don't want that. I, like at this point, it's like we're, we're two seasons in. Like if you don't know what side you're on or at least if you don't know like what you as an individual want. I'm I'm out. I'm bored. I don't care. L- Lauren's arc next season is she becomes fluent in German. <laughs> do you want to build a snowman in German completely? <laughs> um, yeah, like I just I don't know. Like, but if they if they if they go back to kind of some of the original formula that was in season one, um, you know, again, Marcos is, Marcos is. There's nothing to change there. Um, you know, let him be like this foundation that kind of just maintains. Um, that'd be great. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I have a really bad feeling that if they do a season three, it's really going to potentially go off the rails and I'm excited for that. Okay. Um, and yeah, is this a show you would recommend to other people? Uh, ish? Yes. Like, I mean, overall, I would say yes. Like, it's one of be okay. like, watch season one, um, ignore certain characters, uh, because... <laughs> Better things will happen for them eventually, but you know, take 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 the great characters as they are for what they are because they're fantastic. And then watch season two, and everything you think you might get turned on its head, and find new characters to enjoy. Okay. Um. So, Mike, um, would you uh, recommend this show to somebody else? Uh, do you want a season three? And if so, what do you want to see in that season? Uh, yeah, I'm actually writing it to other people, even on my stream. Uh, I'm, this is definitely as, as troublesome and, and Rocky, of course, because nothing's perfect as it is. Uh, we, we have a live action, um, uh, in TV show and mm-hmm. it's, and it's alive and it's electric. And I do absolutely like it even with the, the iffy stuff. Uh, but I always tell people, it's like, it's not, it's not the Orville, right? It's not perfect, but <laughs> It's not. It's not Arrow season two. It's not perfect. But okay. good. It's a good romp, and especially into a world that hopefully we get to see more of. I do want to see season three, but only if it's not Days of Future Past. That's my. Uh, oh no, I do not. No, oh. the movie did a fantastic job on it. I don't care if it's different universes. I don't give a. Shit. 
no, no more of that. It's a trope. It's done. We've already have an excellent version of it. I don't need a TV version of it. I don't need the heroes of today going to solve issues of the future when we have shit to do today. What I do want, what I really want, is to actually have two mutant groups, the mutant underground, and whoever on the other side, and actually have an and actually have. A, of of us as viewers to figure out who we want to root for. There's probably a moment that I could. There's probably a chance I could have given the the inner circle. Uh, sorry, the Hellfire Club a chance to say, you know what, I could go up with them. But Reva was a bad action was a bad choice, and it was an instant. We're gonna make our antagonist. We can do a show. We can have it where we can have two groups who are looking for kind of the same thing but doing it in different ways and still have it per, uh, look interesting enough that we have to choose as viewers which side are we on. Because I want that. That's what Magneto and, and Xavier brought. I am a Brotherhood mutant. I am definitely hmm. 100% down with the Brotherhood. <laughs> I, yeah, nah. <laughs> I, like, uh, Juggernaut, Mag- Magnus, Mystique, like, I completely understand them and I'm with them. I'm not a Malcolm X fan, by the way, but I'm but <laughs> <laughs> um you know juggernaut's not a mutant shush, right shush, shush, shush. Te- te- <laughs> technicalities but we don't be- we don't believe in space okay we don't believe in space here <laughs> but um but that's also another thing if we're if uh i do want the phoenix and i think I, we can have it in the gifted i want to have the Shark empire here i want that oh god i, I want all that I want the share. I think you're being too ambitious for a TV show with that one. I don't care. I I don't care. I'm going for it. They have the Orville. They can do whatever they want. (laughs) Fox just ripped the bandit off. That's fair. She our empire, baby. Okay. Uh, Take it to religion. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Angie, um, is this a show you'd recommend to others? And uh, if so, would you like to see, or or, yeah, would you like to see a season three? And if so, um, what would you like to see in it? Um, yeah, I would recommend it. I think I would recommend it after, like, Runaways. Um, but if they've already seen it, definitely worth a watch. Um, I think Runaways is the better show. But I love a third season, and I think if the third season's the final one, and the end of it, they save the X-Men and we get a couple cameos, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is a show I've recommended. Uh, there are people that I try urgently to get to watch this. Maybe it would have helped the ratings. But, you know, thanks, Ryan. (laughs) If the show gets canceled, it's on you. No. (laughs) Bird. Just Ryan. Just Ryan. He he, he was the one. If the ratings were just one, they would have renewed it. But, uh, no. (laughs) I'm hoping it gets renewed anyway. Um, But, um, yeah, I want a third season. Um, I definitely want Caitlyn to become the Phoenix. Um, I now need that in my I think that would be amazing. <laughs> I think that Amy Acker could pull it off. Actually, you know, of all the people who they've tried to shoehorn in as the fee of all the actresses and the horrible plot lines the movies are doing with the Phoenix Force, um, I think Amy Acker is actually probably the best actress to try and do something that with. So, um, yeah, yeah. Fred forever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, 
I actually love Days of Future Past. I don't think it has to be a one and done. Even in the comics, they've they've gone to that future multiple times. Um, so I don't think you have to do the oh we've got to prevent this assassination because that's what creates this future storyline that you know is the actual Days of Future Past. Um, but the fact that the so one of the things that I liked about X Men in addition to the things that I've mentioned already is that. You know, uh, when I was younger, like, when you watch, like, DC and stuff like that, you know, DC cartoons, the future is always a bright, shiny, happy place. So I'm like, so what are the heroes struggling for? The future is going to turn out okay. Flashpoint would beg to differ. Right. <laughs> Wonder Woman killed a bunch of kids in Flashpoint. But but that was an alternate time. I'm talking about the future. Like, in DC, like, the future is this nice thing. So I'm like, so what are the heroes struggling against? Um, so my, so, you know, like, I like the fact that in Marvel, the future's actually awful. And so that's the thing. That's what they're struggling against. They're trying to, like, overturn the destiny or fate or whatever of the, the future, you know, horribly to create, you know, a better tomorrow, you know? And so I, I think that that's compelling. Um, so I, I would like that. I would like them to tie in with that in some way. If they want to throw some Sentinels out and blow their budget, that would be fine, too. Um, because <laughs> uh, I still don't feel like we've gotten real Sentinels. Even though Days of Future Past, the movie, had Sentinels, they weren't the super tall Sentinels. And, you know, I, I want, like, two scale, okay? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess that's it, really. I mean, um, you know, just Andy and Lauren, uh, figure out what you're doing with them. Um, Blink hopefully will be, um, a better, you know, like, like she's had time like somewhere. So, you know, hopefully she'll be a more interesting and dynamic character. Um, and yeah, um, we'll just have to see where it goes. So, uh, yeah. Um, bye. So, um, Angie, let's start with you. Uh, why don't you say goodbye and let people know if they can find you online. They can find me here and basically only here. <laughs> Um, so I will just go ahead and say goodnight. All right. And James, why don't you say goodbye before they can find you online? Uh, you can find me at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter or on the Facebooks or, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. Or you can find my uh, some of my podcasts uh, out there somewhere in the ether. I'm not really sure where they are anymore. <laughs> but, but otherwise, yeah. Oh, no. Thanks for having me and have a good night, everybody. All right, and Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online? You can, of course, find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. That's T Rex. Rawr. And you can also find me over on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Trexlight. If you like watching video games played badly, yeah, uh, you can find me over on Twitch.tv/slash Trexlight. You can also find Mike Nelson on select episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm in the back. <laughs> I didn't say back. which Mike Nelson. I just said that they could find Mike Nelson. It's okay. They know who they want to see. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, uh, James, and Angie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having Loved us. Loved it. You betcha. And that's a final wrap on The Gifted. We'd like to know how you liked the episode. So let us know. There's a whole lot of ways that you can let us know. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. One way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave comments. You can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. 
You can tweet to us at 42cast. You can even go to our Instagram and leave a message on any of the episodes there. It's 42cast on Instagram. Or you can even go to Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. So lots of different ways that you can leave us feedback. I would love to hear from all of you. So far, I have two people who sent me emails multiple times. Uh, I've gotten, you know, the odd Facebook post or tweet or things of that nature, or even some comments on the website. Love to get more feedback do it any way that you feel comfortable doing it reviews are the best on apple Podcasts as far as promoting the show but if you'd like to write me a long email i also really appreciate those because those can give a lot of detail or you know but if you just feel like replying to facebook or instagram or twitter or any of those with just like a short little thing that's good also so it's funny because I know from the downloads that, you know, people are listening to the show, but it doesn't seem like, even though I ask for this all the time, I don't get a whole lot of feedback. So it's one of the things that I really, really want. So hopefully with me emphasizing it a little more like I am on this episode, you know, maybe we'll we'll get to something with that. But anyway... I also want to make sure that everyone is aware of the ESO Network Patreon. That's patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's a way that you could help us keep all the all the shows in the network going. Uh, you contribute a little uh, money, whatever you have available, and you choose what tier you want on the Patreon, and that gives you access to early episodes for some shows, some exclusive episodes for some shows. And basically, gives you a few perks, but that's in exchange for helping us out. So if you've got anything and you would like to contribute, then we would love it if you could. And also, I want to make sure and plug Time Streams, which is my other podcast. That is the podcast where my friend Juliet and I are watching through all of Doctor Who. It is a lot of fun. It is really great because she is new to it, and I'm someone who's been watching it since I was a little kid. And we have a lot of great conversations that go back and forth while we're talking about the stories. So, really can't recommend that one enough, so check that one out as well. I also want to say again that we do have an interview with Skylar Samuels coming up. That is Esme or any of the Frost sisters, Phoebe and Sophie also, from The Gifted. And she sat down with me and we talked a bit and it is already recorded. But you will be getting that as episode 105. So I guess this is a little bit of a countdown to that. So stay tuned and we will bring that one to you. And if you're a fan of The Gifted, I know that you'll love it. But that's a wrap for our episode this week. Join us back next week when Ruby Rose will not be joining us, nor will she be joining Batman Woman next season either, but she will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, 
your station for all things geek.